0: hey everyone this is cameron from renegade animation on renegadepopculture.com if you like what we do please give us a like and a follow and a rating on apple podcasts and anywhere you listen to podcasts we are everywhere that way we can keep doing what we love and that's going through way too
1: much anime and now on with the show What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your captain for this evening. Joining me as always is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy howdy. And once again, we've got Haley. Hello! And Teresa. Hey. We've got some unfinished business to do. This week on our spring anime recap, we're covering the I guess. Others, we've got romance, and we've got sports. But first, oh boy, I really dislike this first one. But Cameron, what do we have first? We're going to
0: talk about Tomodachi Game. Do not get it confused with the 3DS game Tomodachi Life. It's based off of the manga by Mikoto Yamaguchi and Yuki Sato. The adaptation is directed by Hirofumi Ogura. It's written by Kenta Ihara and produced by Okuruto Noboru. Basically, a bunch of high school students who are the closest of friends are ready to go on a big school-wide field trip. They raised enough money to do so, and then one day the money goes missing. The friends try to investigate and pretty much end up getting captured by this unknown entity or organization within the first room that they are in. They are introduced to a very creepy little kid mascot that tells them pretty much play the games that they are assigned to and they can lower their depth. It turns into a survival game from then. So content warning before we go into discussing everything. There are references to molestation, stalking, murder, and harassment. Loaded. Haley. what did you think? This is terrible. This
2: kind of runs headlong into the general issue that most death game anime have in that it's not Danganronpa, and you can't really top how crazy Danganronpa is. So it all just kind of comes off as derivative- This one especially feels derivative of a couple of different things that executed this, I would say, marginally better. It kind of comes off like a C-grade Mr. Haragi's Homeroom in some respects, too, which was a really popular J-drama. I was kind of shocked to find out that this is a really popular multimedia franchise that's been around for a while because it feels like the worst elements of, like, just something trying to cash in on a craze. This show's also Deeply upsettingly misogynistic. We've talked about things that have been deeply upsettingly misogynistic before, like Platinum. And this feels more like those trashy shoujo manga that Tokyo Pop used to bring over by the boatload in like the mid 2000s. Ones like Classroom Confidential and Life. Those are the two I remember where the lead characters are subject to every manner of exploitative and eyebrow raising social issue possible in the span of like 200 pages in a kind of pathetic attempt at quote unquote educating the public about the real struggles of being in high school like in the first three episodes of this we get a very lurid sexualized plot point about compensated Dating, which I believe in Japanese is enjo kosai which is really gross. Like we're leering at a 13 year old the whole damn time this plot line's going on. We're meant to believe that getting plastic surgery in response to an accident is somehow devaluing the beauty and uh, respectability of a teenage girl, which is just gross on multiple levels. I don't want to say that the women are the only ones who are portrayed as awful because by the end of the third episode, we find out that one of the only sane men in this show is actually like a spying, stalking, psychotic person, but the narrative still treats him like he's more reasonable than the person who was pressured into dating older men when she was 13. It's a huge problem. It's deeply unfair to the women in this story. Like, The things that the women in this story are getting penalized for, which include not wanting to go out with men they don't want to go out with, which is a major recurring theme in the first three episodes for some fucking reason. They're all about to die, but let's get real concerned about the dating lives of our friends right now.
0: This show really hates its female characters, like way more than most anime. And considering how misogynistic anime can get, it definitely stands out more... (laughs) <laughs> all things considered, which is, you know, a big old yikes.
2: Yeah, the whole premise of this show is that it's like it's trying to show like how friends can break apart so easily under a little bit of pressure. But it's not really the message that comes across in the show. What this show kind of ends up unintentionally conveying is that all of these kids are deeply shitty mm-hmm. and weren't really friends to begin with. And our lead has no consistent personality either which kind of contributes to that like the whole first episode he's panicking about the whole situation that he and his friends find themselves in whether or not there's going to be some sort of resolution to where they find the money that was the school trip who stole it etc until the very end of the episode where he decides he realizes oh no everyone's going to try and give all of their debt to my quiet meek friend so i have to do something about it And his solution to doing something about it is to talk a whole bunch in, like, the most gross, asshole-ish way to his actual friends. And we're supposed to find this, you know, a good strategy or inspiring or that it, like, conveys the theme that the show is trying to get across. The show is deeply misguided. I'm not going to pretend that Nanganronka is a problem-free cheerful joy ride it's a deeply problematic franchise as well but at least it's fun at least it feels like it's original i feel like every season we get one of these fucking stupid death game shows that does nothing except rip off what's come before it And make me realize how much people hate women. Like, there's no more ground to be trod here. We complain about isekai a lot. I feel like we don't complain about the death games more because there's just always one bad one each season. But they're just as bad as the cookie-cutter isekais, honestly. And a lot of times even worse. right? Because the misogyny can be so damn blatant. Like, the women are getting punished for things that men do all the time casually in isekai shows. It's just very... The show is bad. Uh, It's just really bad. If you're really hankering for a death game, I'm sure Squid Game is still on Netflix. It's the only one that's done
0: anything interesting with this genre in the past 10 years, so go for it. You could literally go to High Dive and watch KG Ultimate Survivor as well. Like, There's a reason why not many death games either get past the first season or are very much memorable. And they also suffer from the same flipping issues of they don't know how to pace their plots because you get so much unloaded onto you as a viewer. Maybe if it was a better looking show, it would be at least a tiny bit more tolerable, but this show does not look good. It doesn't have a good way to balance out its CGI and its 2D elements. And outside of Manabu-kun, the mascot character who is... Sadly, the best animated thing about the show, everyone else just has very boring designs and you can kind of get what each character's problems are And it's just not interesting. Teresa, what do you think?
3: Yeah, what the hell is this show like? From first five minutes, I was like, why is this a show? And then you tell me, it's a really big franchise and people love it in so many other forms. And I'm just like, I cannot believe anyone likes this. I don't know if it's just annoying to me. I was like, I'm an adult. I don't want to show about debt. Also their children, what the hell do they care about debt? They don't have a job. Like, I don't know. It just is a weird angle. The whole money thing, the counting down, I'd rather them just be like, yeah, in four lives, we're just going to cut off a hand or something. That would be a lot better than this thing. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to make it more accessible, but the whole time I was thinking did a loan shark or an accountant write this? Like, the whole like animation of the calculation it just it really bored me to death then they add on the misogyny and the dub was really weird to me anyway the voices sounded way too old for these to be high school students for most except the girl they are intentionally making sound super meek and so sad and everyone has to protect her I was just like can can this show be over I fell asleep on it, it gave me nightmares and I did not want to finish the third episode. I can't say I can recommend it. I guess the setup is interesting without, if you threw out the money part, but like Kaylee said, you can watch so many other things without any hints at rape, without any teasing about plastic surgery, without crazy friends stalking their other friends for years. Also the whole thing about the guy, like they were supposed to be basically together in elementary school I hated when people's parents did that when I was in elementary school and I definitely don't like it anymore like you cannot just be like oh
2: your neighbors
3: are like we're just friends oh you should all be together as children like it's gross
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, so yeah I highly recommend you skip this
0: show
1: Mike what do you think I think it, t- it took me until about either the second or third episode to officially decide, yeah, no, I hate this piece of garbage. Even the first episode, while the setup may be kind of interesting, it all just really falls apart, especially with the reveal at the end when the main character's like, oh no, they're going to unload all their debt onto, what's her name? The meat girl let's just call her meek girl (laughs) yeah these characters don't deserve names they're just archetypes anyway that whole bit at the end immediately pissed away whatever goodwill like the initial premise might have had this show just sucks and on the technical side of things at worst the character designs are just kind of generic stock anime except for and i hate that he looks so creepy but at least, at least, like you said earlier, the movements of the mascot were actually pretty impressive. It's just, I hate looking at that face. It looks creepy. It'll haunt your nightmares. Nothing about this show, thinking about it further, nothing about this is enjoyable.
0: Yeah, and by the way, we say it's like, oh, it's ridiculous that this thing has been a multimedia franchise. A manga that's been going on since 2013. A four-episode TV series, two live-action films, and now an anime. Most anime could wish they get this. And the only reason I think we keep getting death games or survival games or what have you is because the audiences either A, love the hate watch, which does not translate over to the production companies working on these types of shows because they don't get what a hate watch is or like people watching it ironically, or they're just like isekais and people just like the escapism and the edgy nonsense of it all. I wish this show had more of like a supernatural angle to it because of how terrifying the mascot Manabu-kun is. Right. When they cut right to like finding out, Oh, it's a secret organization that apparently is well-known And they have somehow missed getting caught by the government.
1: (laughs) Sure, okay.
0: And now we talk about one that's a little more, you know, kind of all over the place. Heroines Run the Show. This isn't based off of a manga, a light novel, or even a game. It's based off of a song by Honeyworks. It's directed by Noriko Hashimoto in her series directing debut. It's written by Yoshimi Narita and produced by Leidus. Hiyori Suzumi, who left her hometown to continue pursuing her passion of track and field, enrolls in Tokyo's Sakura Gaoka High School. In searching for a part-time job, Hiyori ends up becoming an apprentice manager for her classmates Yoijiro Somea and Aizo Shibasaki, who are members of the idol group Lip Lip. The story follows the struggles that Hiori faces with school, extracurricular activities and her managing job, as well as the idol group Lip Lip as they perform on stage. This one's interesting. Like out of all the idol anime that we're about to get next season, I will at least say this one stands out. But I'm curious to see what y'all think. So uh Haley, what do you think?
2: I think overall this is good question mark. Part of the reason I struggle with that is because it is overstuck to the brim there are about 17 different plot lines going on here for a 23 minute show like it moves real fast but in the first episode alone we get the narrative of Hiori wanting to be a big track star and her starting to bond with the people on her track team her making friends with forming a three girl like friend group in her own classroom with like the boisterous kind of gangster girl stereotype and the uh, glasses girl stereotype so alone that would fill out its own show but no we've still got everything with the idol group which involves Kiori managing the idol group but also all the issues the idol group has with each other so there's a lot of interesting stuff with all of these plot lines but it's so much to put into a 30-minute show. It's a lot to put on the audience, even if there's a lot of good ideas in it. It feels like they could have streamlined this a lot better. I do genuinely like this show, though, even with the amount of things they're cramming into it, I like where it's going. As I've talked about before, I like idol shows that are actually somewhat grounded in reality, and there's a lot of interesting stuff with the two male idols that I don't see in a whole lot of shows. Like, the show is very open about the fact that they were put together basically after a casting call, and these two guys don't particularly like each other. They're co-workers. They're doing this for the money. There's a part in episode two where they're called out on a radio show off microphone for how canned and blah their responses are and how milk toast their images. That's fascinating to me. Like, there are not a whole lot of idol shows that we see that would sit there and take the time to say, yeah, there are. these are obviously constructed facades. Like, you don't know these people. And the constructed facade for both of the Lip Lip idols is a huge part of their stories. Like, these are very interesting things that, because a lot of idol anime is way more interested in selling you, like, figures and shit, that doesn't get talked about a lot. That being said... That's generally five or six minutes at most in a show that also has to resolve multiple interpersonal conflicts, Hiyori being homesick, Hiori's money problems, the problems of managing this lip lip-lip lip group, lip lip's interpersonal conflicts, and whatever they're gonna build with Hiori's friends both on and off the track team. Like I don't see how this sustains past a couple of episodes, honestly. But You know, it could. It's not the worst thing I watched this season. It's never boring, at the very least. So give it a shot, if it sounds interesting to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. It takes a little bit to get really invested into the show with the two uh, male members of Lip Lip, because by God, they are some of the most obnoxious and grating characters i've seen but that's on purpose because of the situation that they do focus on i'll talk a little bit more about that because i watched i think like six episodes teresa what did you think
3: i loved it i didn't really notice it but maybe i was just so hungry for something that wasn't complete misogynistic after tomodachi games so i was very excited about how just light everything was This is a
2: great follow-up to Tomodachi game where you're like, oh, right, (laughs) humanity, warmth, genialness. I just
3: thought there was like really small, like her, Hayori's like commentary. And maybe if they're trying to make it seem like country girl in the city, but it is weird that the teacher was wearing a lab coat, but he teaches English. I was like, what's up with this teacher? He's giving me a weird vibe, but you know, I feel like it's just quirky for the show I really thought it was hilarious how much they made the blonde idol hate girls like he's like I hate them I want to be around them and I was like wow you're one of are you going to turn into one of those gay men who just hates women like what what is up like what happened because it's just very intense especially when they you know team up on the girl who played a trick on Hiori, the model I was like wow he is not holding any punches I don't know how he can stand being on a stage performing for like little girls. But I guess that's that's his conflict. Now that I think about it, it is pretty intense for what the show actually is. The other guy is just kind of angsty, which I was like, okay, he's got the side flip hair. He's going to be the angsty one. I thought the animation was amazing. Uh, they've had a dancing sandwich. The closing credits have like every color of the rainbow possible. If they just had a unicorn pop up, I'd be like, yep, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I just really liked, you know, their banter between Hiari and the group She. <laughs> doesn't like them, but she, they start growing on each other. And I just love that when, you know, their shows where they're grumpy at first and then they learn to love each other and be like one big happy family. I love the music. I thought the music was pretty good. And yeah, like, I like that. It's not, Oh, we're just so beautiful. And we're idols. It's very much like showing you behind the curtain and the chaos. And I definitely want to keep watching the show.
0: I think that's a very good point. You, you bring up that like the blonde one, Usually, like, in a very generic idol anime, like the... What was that one from way back in winter 2021? Uh, like, Aichu, halfway across the idol or whatever? So, something like that. They would have made him like the chipper, happy, optimistic one that goes against the angsty, broody one. I also like that Hiori just doesn't take their crap from time to time. She, like, she will call out them being brats. And I right. think that's very interesting. It's definitely not a, uh, like, Oh, the idol industry is like an absolutely not flawed industry that can absolutely not grind you to dust and burn out and all that nonsense. I do like that. Mike, what do you think?
1: So I'll repeat what I said on Twitter the other day that this is basically for the idol genre, what Moneyball was to baseball in terms of taking the peek behind the curtain, showing a bit more of the business side of things and where i left off at episode 3 you do get a little bit of their music and i assume later on we hear a bit more of it but i kind of like how this is a little bit more behind the scenes look at the idol industry i like how the two idols are absolutely not what their public personas like and i think the main protagonist hiori was it mhm I think she's probably one of the strongest female protagonists that we've seen so far this season. The fact that she can kind of stand up for herself, at least in front of these two. And I think the fact that she is not like a fangirl or anything makes her perfect for this role as their manager or manager in training. Because she has the sort of outsider's perspective, which makes her like sort of non biased and she can give them all of the advice that they need in order to succeed, in order to expand their fan base, et cetera. And I'm very much looking forward to where this story goes in the future. All righty, who's trying
0: to hear a little bit of what happens past the three episode mark? What do you got? So, On top of the typical, they do start to bond and respect one another for their actions and ambitions and, you know, pride. We do dive a little bit more into what makes the two duo idols tick. Like the blonde one's whole constant thing of like, golly, I hate women. Just hate them so much. Uh, The show is implying that he has issues of abandonment from his mom. And you know that one side male student with the orange hair that kind of, like, teases around uh, Hiori from time to time? Oh, yeah. That's his brother. I'm Your not- sure. I think that would come up. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. It does. It happens in, like, either episode four or five when that thing is made. And there does come some conflict with Hiori as the uh, temporary, like, manager thinks- comes to a close. And on top of that, with her running career, she does the, you know, the one thing that causes conflict in any story about running. She hurts her leg and doesn't tell anyone about it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious to see how the rest of it unfolds. I'm Kind of shocked this one got a dub over some of the other ones, but I get it. It's definitely more about the behind-the-scenes thing, and I like it. It's a, There's a lot, but it's good. So now, let's go on to probably the most bug-nutty anime of the season, "Stab Life, Great Escape. This is a mixed-media project, you know, all of our favorites, by Goro Taniguchi. The anime adaptation is directed by Hiroyuki Hashimoto. It's written by Shoji Gato and produced by Polygon Pictures. All right, the distant future. After reaching its peak, Earth's population fell into decline. AI was developed to help preserve the species and manage the ecosystem, a grand experiment in human diversity through generic engineering, A diverse array of peoples, including beast folk, magical beings, and more, was created to live in a diverse city separated into walled clusters. We basically follow a team of these girls who go to a high school during the day and then at night get clients to help them escape from where they are to go from one cluster to another where they will feel more free with their lives. This is that rare hot trash anime that does just enough to actually be fun to watch. Haley, what do you think?
2: Oh, this is ludicrously stupid, but it's a very fun kind of stupid. I watched this a while ago. I think this was the first thing I watched a couple of
0: months ago. I think it was like the first anime to come out. And for some reason, they gave you all three episodes at once.
2: Yeah, Interestingly, though, this has stuck with me more than some of the stuff I would actually call good, just because it's so odd and so bonkers and in a very charming, unassuming way. Like, I don't think anyone working on this show thinks they're making great art, but there's a playfulness to a lot of this that kind of carries it through the questions about, like, why does this world exist in this way? Why was everyone sorted by their job potential into different sectors of the universe? And why is one of those sectors entirely populated by penguins in a communist regime? There's a lot of questions you can ask about why this world is set up this way. Like, why are five teenage girls who collectively have the IQ of maybe two rocks, three rocks? (laughs) Why are they the ones tasked with saving people from their mundane... Uh, prescribed existences and sending them off to better places but the show moves at a quick enough clip that like you'll definitely be asking these questions but you won't really care because this is so stupidly fun like a lot of my notes are just kind of comical questioning of what's going on but it leans hard into into the silliness of it all and it works. Like, the show is genuinely funny a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a moment between the three main girls where a couple of them are, you know, confessing how much they need to each other. And the kind of cold girl is <laughs> says to the main lead, you're kind of okay, I guess. And I was like, <laughs> that's genuinely pretty funny. Same with the whole of episode two, where a Yakuza boss is desperately trying to escape his fate so that he can be a magical girl in another sector. And everyone is just kind of like, follow your dreams, man! And the Yakuza just doesn't want to see him leave because he's good at running the Yakuza. Like, it's very well done. The third episode about the communist penguin dancing troupe is absolutely batshit crazy. And I didn't watch past this, but this feels like the best of the 2000s bubble anime. Like the anime that was coming out right as the market was collapsing out here. This is the kind of thing that ADV would have way overpaid for and advertised everywhere. (laughs) And we would have all called it like a weird boondoggle. But for the streaming era, that's kind of a little perfect, ridiculous time waster. Not really a way I can recommend this as being good, but it's very, very fun at the very least. Like This is definitely, if your friends are over and it's super late at night and you just want to show them something stupid, this is perfect feel like this, this is the kind of thing they sh- should show on Toonami or Adult Swim because it, there's not a whole lot like it. It's just very, I don't know how often I can say it's dumb. It's really dumb. But it's a no. fun kind of dumb. I wrote an actual note where the lead character is such a dipshit that I wouldn't be surprised if she was the child of Sailor Moon and Toru Honda. Makes sense. Anyways, this show's a lot of fun. Enjoy it. Don't read a whole lot going into it. Enjoy the stupidity and the craziness as it unfolds
0: in front of you. Right, right. Teresa, what did you think?
2: Um, Yeah,
3: I don't like this mixed media animation. When I first started, I was like, oh... Um, But it grew on me and it's completely ridiculous. I absolutely love those penguins. And I really wanted the mean penguin to like come around and have a change of heart. But of course that didn't happen, but I was open for it. And I just love how they have, I don't know, it was if it had a penguin blue steel look and it like knocked one of the girls out. She's like, oh, you're so cute. Um, I just thought that was a very nice touch. I don't understand where these girls came from. I don't understand what a slime girl is like. They didn't explain anything. I was like, who's this beast guy? Like, where'd that come from? They're like, we're going. This is it. You're watching us extract people. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to keep going. So once, once, if you stop trying to look for logic, it's actually a lot of fun. I definitely, I feel like if you need a palate cleanser from Tamadachi Game, if you're just looking kind of like for, i I, I don't want to say a lighter ghost in the shell but you know something about like going on missions having you know a target it's you know very episodic i thought that was very easy to follow once you forget about the logic and kind of comforting because there's just no stakes really it's just about them you know completing their missions and growing together as friends the slime girl is a little much she's a little jealous everything the main girl does is beautiful Got a little annoying, but by the third episode, I just accept. So yeah, recommend it if you need something light.
0: This show will not explain anything. It took me okay, maybe okay. To, like five minutes into it when it's like, oh geez, that girl got her head blown off. Uh, yeah, it's like, like, like wait, she's made of slime. Uh, okay,
3: <laughs> I was like, where did she? Was she from a lab? Like, is this teenage ninja turtle? Like, no, no explanation.
0: I mean, like wow. the the my anime list description is really all you get. Because so far the show just—I didn't not... even read that. <laughs> so I I know. No, the confused. show does not care about explaining or putting you into this world to, for it to make sense. And the dog guy—he—he he just does not show up unless he's on a mission. <laughs> There's, okay, okay. He, and apparently he can't talk, and it's—I guess like that's a beast folk thing. I, I don't know.
3: <laughs> but then what but, are the penguins? Okay, I'm gonna stop asking.
0: <laughs>
2: That was my biggest question. Why is there an entire realm inside of these realms that is literally a China-style penguin dictatorship?
0: Did this happen? I was (laughs) I was expecting this to be like I kind of took it as like a people fleeing from a North Korea-style situation going to South Korea. It still doesn't
2: explain why that is the only area governed like that, and why they're all penguins, though.
0: Yeah, I was like, is this
3: a penguin? Like, did the penguins get mad in zoos or something and go and make their own countries and then split? Like, I don't know.
0: We're trying to put logic into something that's obviously not interested in putting logic into something. What do
1: you think? So we're joking around about the lack of logic, but if you're someone who seriously can't suspend a disbelief, then this show is probably not for you but we're covering anime every three to four months. So obviously we are like the target audience for this stuff. Personally, this is like the exact kind of stupid late night anime I would have loved had it come out in like the early 2000s on the old Saturday, like late late evening version of Toonami. The world is ridiculous, but at least the characters are somewhat endearing. They try to have some depth in each of these missions, despite how like ridiculous they can get, like, you know, the whole thing with the Yakuza boss wanting to become a magical girl. Mm -hmm. On the surface, it sounds dumb, but it's so earnest in its delivery, especially if you watch the dub, that like you buy into it. And that's the thing I love about this show. Tonally, it's kind of like DC's Legend of Tomorrow in that it just throws caution to the wind and you're just invited for the ride. This
0: feels like a show that was made by a corporate focus test, because it's like, (laughs) what do you want? Okay, we want cute anime girls, check. Okay, fantasy people, okay, check. Okay, sci-fi elements, check. Okay, penguins, check. (laughs) I just wanted the penguins. It shouldn't work, and yet it's so just into its own world, and it doesn't feel as corporate mixed media as, like,
1: most of these kind of projects do. It's, it's a little scrappier than most corporate projects.
0: I mean, like, it almost comes off, like, one of those fake mobile game ads that you get on YouTube from time to time that all use, like, or rehash the same assets. But it's, like, a fun, weird, and you don't quite get that without it coming off more commercial and, like, made for merchandising purposes. This one is just, like, Eh, we don't care if we actually get into a proper f- multimedia franchise. We're just having fun, and I'm glad for that. Polygon Pictures, in terms of their animation, it's not the best CGI. I mean, nothing's going to beat Studio Orange. It's good. It's The characters are expressive. The action's well shot, for the most part. And it's just a decent-looking show. We could go a lot worse. Now, for these next three... I did put them in a ranking order, but they're honestly kind of tied for the same spot as like the best of the other category because they're so good in their own separate way that it's like it's hard to say why one is better than the other. Let's talk about one of the few original anime this season, Healer Girl. So it's directed by Yashuhiro Ire. it's written by Noboru Kimura, and produced by 3HZ or 3 Hertz. Basically, it's this world where these girls can train to become healer girls, where they go to like people who are hurt or injured and use singing and music to heal the soul or actual real like medical issues or situations. And this was a surprise. I don't know. I didn't know quite what to expect with this one and it's just good. Haley, what do you think?
2: I honestly, the more I think on this, the more I think this is my favorite series of the season. Like even above Spy X Family, which is a show that I watched and then binged the entire manga of. This show is really really well done. Um, The animation is gorgeous. This show looks great. Um, the general plotline of it where we're following three apprentice healer girls as they grow on their journey to become full-fledged healers and open their own practices and whatnot. It's a simple sort of plot setup and it gives us a chance to see a lot of different facets of this world and one thing I really appreciate about the show is it's thought through its kind of premise very thoroughly we get a really strong examination of, okay, well, people can heal each other via music. How does that work in the world? How does that change our world? The world building on this is extremely solid. Um, We get, the first episode gives us like an introduction to what healer girls do. We have a apprenticeship setup that's explained very well. We have rules of the universe that uh, the healer girls cannot heal on their own right now because they're apprentices. The lead healer woman that is overseeing our healer girls is a very strong character. We get the sense that there are also healer boys. It doesn't feel like this is just an excuse to get cute girls doing cute things. I really can't speak highly enough of this show. My only issue is that, once again, this season is plagued with possessive lesbian types. Like, I don't understand why every damn show has one. Like, we briefly brought it up in the last one. Half of the ones from the first podcast did. And there's a blonde girl who is very, very idolatrous of her, uh, of her mentor, who is the person overseeing our apprentice healer girls. And it just fears into creepy a little too much for my liking. That being said, though, like I said, the show is my favorite of the season. It has a real power to its sequences. Like this show would fail if the music was not well thought out or bad. And this, the music being portrayed here is extremely well written. I think part of what makes the music work so well is whoever these voice actresses are, you can tell that they weren't idols. They don't sound like idol voices. They sound like musical theater voices or opera voices or people with serious musical training. There's just really gorgeous work done here with the harmonies in these songs, the power of their voices. And this whole anime is underpinned by the knowledge and the truth that music is healing in some way. Like, obviously not like in this show where it's literally healing broken bones and helping pregnant women not give birth spontaneously in the street which is what happens in episode two. But music does have healing, soothing, and p- like powers on the psyche and the soul. And a huge part of a lot of the musical shows we're seeing this season is how music can be such a strong force for good in our world. And this is the purest representation of it. I found this show very moving, which is not something that I would say for God, more than two anime I've seen in the course of my life. We've seen anime that's good, anime that's extremely impressive, anime that's mind-blowingly great but moving is something that's kind of hard to come by in a lot of anime i feel like especially ones kind of churned out in this seasonal format but this is something extremely special i would highly recommend it to just about anyone it's a very good family show as well it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful
0: yeah it's i think this is also our first time covering like a full-on musical show it's not just like another idol show where they have these predisposed pop songs at the ready
2: the studying song which i think opens episode yeah the studying song that opens episode three is literally kind of on the level of a sondheim like patter song it's really incredible what they're doing with
0: the music in this show It is. Teresa, what do you think? I thought
3: it was adorable. I love the opening song, especially like the line in English, just like, I love to heal. I'm going to heal you. I just thought it was very touching. I love the little kind of animation when they're actually doing the healing. I think those are my favorite parts. I really liked how they kind of made like little tiny girls like healing if they're almost like little fairies, like healing. I believe it was one of the girl's like grandmothers. I thought that was adorable. And then also when she's just trying to learn the music and they have her kind of like dancing on the notes on a page, a sheet of music. And I just thought I was was like, we need more music animation, like in each episode. I don't like musicals and I thought the show was fabulous. So maybe it just needs to be animated for me to accept, accept a musical show, but I'm here for it. I did find that other girl- extremely creepy wanting to know where the mistress might be taking a nap i was like that's that's a little too far i do like her enthusiasm and i do like how the kind of the girls are helping each other they're teasing her but they're they're not bullying her they're trying to help her even the the girl who says she's going to beat them and be their enemy she's very like still wholesome, the the girl who's a class C healer. So I thought that was cute. And I love her little best friend who doesn't like to talk. And she like is helping with her speech patterns. I just want to, I could have a whole show about her. I thought she was adorable. Yeah, I highly recommend this too. Honestly, as Haley said, anyone.
1: Mike, what do you think? I think this is definitely in my top five for the season. And certainly one of my favorite anime that premiered this year. Fun fact, around like 2014, I was considering pursuing studying music therapy because you guys know how much music means to me. The idea of using music to help people is something that I was certainly curious about. And while I never actually went through with it, it's still the concept of something that I will just always find fascinating. This anime kind of re-sparked a lot of that interest. The world building is incredible. The actual voice talent, the people they got to play these characters, I think they just absolutely blew me away. I knew from the second we heard that first song in like the first minute, oh, so I'm going to love this. (laughs) And then the ultimate test of whether or not this show even works is episode three, when pretty much all of their dialogue the three apprentices their dialogue is nothing but music and the fact that they maintain that throughout the whole episode and it never comes across as cheesy or over the top is probably the ultimate testament of the show's strength I was trying to find a quote from Howard Ashman about why animation and musicals like go together like peanut butter and jelly whatever that quote was he's absolutely right and this show is just kind of further proof of animation and musicals being pretty much one and the same I would recommend this to literally anyone
0: yeah no I don't have much else to add that y'all haven't really expanded upon just really sensible world building incredibly likable characters outside of the blondes creepy fascination with the teacher i am so happy that this the show decided to pretty much not try to sexualize any of the teenage characters i was a little bit
1: nervous about that going into it but
0: nope the designs themselves are great the animation is probably some of the best this season has to offer it it's extremely expressive it, they are not afraid to go like cartoony with some of the expressions Episode four is a delight in that regards. I I can't wait for y'all to see that next episode. And yeah, it's just a very hopeful show. Just a very like music is a universal language that people love kind of show. I can't wait for it. I want to see how this show ends. I hope it doesn't drop the ball. I think it's not going to, but we'll have to see. Next up though, we go to something way more grounded. Than most. We're talking about DI which is based off of the manga by Ren Asano. It's directed by uh, Fumitoshi Oizaki. It's written by mm. uh, Reiko Yoshida. And it's produced by Encourage Films. Nagomu Irino returns to his Kyoto home for the first time in 10 years when his father is hospitalized. Nagomu is eager to take over Ryokuso, the family's Japanese sweet shop. But he's instead asked to be a father figure to Itsuka Yukihira, the girl everyone calls the successor. I loved this show. I'm so down for more slice-of-life anime that do these nice found family dynamics. And Mike, you pointed this out in the group chat. A lot of shows this season are... Pretty much found families like situations and about healing one another. Probably one of my favorites of the year so far. Uh, Haley, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I also quite liked this. It reminds me a lot of the J-drama Midnight Diner. It's got the same kind of food is healing vibe. And also the found family vibe of everybody who just comes into this sweet shop. I only watched the first two episodes of this because I was just running out of time. But I like that the first episode really kind of sets up the dynamic of everyone working at the sweet shop. We get the abandoned 10-year-old who is determined to take over the shop and is clearly too wise for her years. I feel like anime can really struggle with child-looking characters who are supposed to be a lot older than they are. Mm -hmm. But this is a really good example of a child who has been forced to grow up way too quickly. And I think the anime does a really good job of portraying that because we also have the man child who figured he would just show back up into his parents' life and be freely given everything that he requests after failing at being a musician for 10 years. It's a nice play in contrast. And the fact that the show seems to aim to bond these two together as kind of a unlikely father-daughter pair is working really well. And then the second episode has us focus on one of the waitresses at this sweet shop who accidentally causes a mild kerfuffle by leaving some merchandise from the shop in one of her streaming videos as an aspiring YouTube idol and causing all kinds of drama. The plot lines, I don't want to say they're low-key, but they're grounded enough that it doesn't seem ridiculous But they also have compelling stakes. I think we're going to talk about some shows that do not seem to have a whole lot of compelling thought lines or plot stakes that kind of leave them hanging kind of limply. But this one does a really good job of setting up these episode long stories that may not be the most dramatic but that have a lot of emotional and character depth. This was one I wanted to revisit. I was hoping I'd have more time to see the third episode, but it is very sweet. It's definitely another good found family watch and more continuation of the music as a healing force narratives that we're seeing a lot of this season.
0: I know. Why can't we have more of that this season and not possessive lesbians and underage fan service nonsense Teresa what do you think
3: I thought it was super cute maybe it's just a culture thing but I was confused because the dad is drawn really old and they call him grandpa I guess he's just teasing his dad but I was like is it your grandpa or is it your dad for like the whole first episode and then I gave up but I do love it's a good I mean She's a little too sassy for a 10-year-old, but she's probably seen some things thanks to her her dad who ran away. Every time she goes looking for him just in the train station and in the third episode, I'm just like, my heart just breaks. So I like that it it doesn't really shy away from dark things, even though it's still pretty wholesome. Also, the girlfriend in episode three, I was like, or his ex-girlfriend rather, I was like, are you just cold or is that your personality i'm hoping in further episodes maybe camera you can tell me they draw they like make her a little bit more likable i do like the dynamic everyone's setting up in the shop i love how the dad basically they just have the like slapstick humor punching him out because he came <laughs> home and he's just like hey what's up and he's like get the hell out of here I gave away the shop to someone else, to a 10-year-old girl, because you suck that much. And I just love how the little girl agrees the dad often, or she's like, no, I'm going to sweep up the front because you can't be trusted. I don't trust you with a broom, and I'm 10 years old. I thought that was hilarious, and I definitely would recommend, and definitely
0: have some sweets if you're going to watch this show. It's going to make you hungry. I liked the third episode with the ex-girlfriend. It seemed like their relationship before the beginning of the show was already on the rocks. Yeah. And then there was like no real like hatred towards one another. He knew that he was not the best kind of guy. And he left like an apology note. And he decided, I mean, yes, on top of I want to go run my family's sweet shop to kind of rebuild himself to see where he is. And he needs some help. And yeah, that part was funny where the dad just, like, basically one punch man him outside the store mm-hmm. and he just goes flying like a cartoon character out. And that happens twice in the in the span of three episodes. Yeah. I love the side character where he's just like, don't worry, you go get the girl. I'll distract your dad with hypnosis. <laughs> and he accidentally, like like, hypnotizes him to forget everything that's happened for the past i guess time since the sun's come back so he just that's why he gets punched
1: back out again did they reuse that animation um, for the second punch
0: i think so i'm not entirely sure i'd have to rewatch it again mike what do you think about this show
1: this is another one i watched basically right after healer girls and again my warning is don't watch this on an empty stomach because especially if you have like an intense sweet tooth like I do, it, like you'll definitely be craving some sweets after this. But the show is just very wholesome. I do love the found family aspect a lot. And I also like how even though he's coming home as a failed musician, music is still kind of part of his life now that he's back at home helping out with the family uh, sweet shot. I like how even though he left his band, but he still incorporates music into his life. And I also really like the second episode as well, where we get a look at the the waitress slash aspiring YouTube idol. Their dynamic is a lot of fun. I also like episode three, despite initially not being entirely clear why they broke up, but then it else, it starts to make more sense towards the end of that episode. And I hope this isn't the last we see of her. I hope she actually gets to stick around a little more. This show, this Healer Girls and the next one we'll get to are a trifecta of excellence. It, yeah, the I'm on this is great. Just, just
0: go watch it. If you liked kind of old school slice of life anime before they tried to like over gimmick themselves with the slice of life stuff. Definitely give it a watch. I hope it gets a dub soon. It feels like it would be a good one to have a dub for. Agreed. And now we get to our, out of the new anime, of course, the one MAPPA anime of the season. It's called Dance Dance Danceur. Content warnings. There are references to abuse. I will explain when we get to that. It's based off of the manga by George Asakura. It's directed by Munahisha Sakai of Zombieland Saga fame. And it's written by Yoshimi Narita and produced, well, like I said, by Mappa. Junpei Murao's love affair with ballet began at a young age during his sister's ballet recital, when a male ballet dancer roused his interest with a gripping performance. But for Junpei, nothing could be worse than his peers finding out about his secret passion for ballet and perceiving him as effeminate. That is why he is in the soccer club, trained Jeet Kune Do, and is intent on following his father's footsteps of becoming a stunt coordinator. You know, all very quote-unquote manly activities. That all changes when he encounters a classmate who is a ballet dancer in training, and the spark reignition of his passion for ballet kicks back in and i will say i will preface this show with this the main character is going to be a bit of a punk to put it lightly throughout a majority of the three episodes but a lot of that is because the major pull of this show outside of you know mappa's gorgeous animation and a beautiful ethereal ballet movements is about getting rid of toxic masculinity that is obviously making our main character extremely unhappy and a lot of that's going to be hard to watch but it's hard to watch in a good way where it's just like you are either this kid or you can understand his plight as petty as it is for a i don't know if he's a high schooler or a middle schooler it was never very clear for me on that regards, I really liked it. I think this is my favorite Mappa show in probably a good while. Out of the like all their non-Jujitsu Kaizen stuff that they've been working on, Haley, what do you think?
1: Quite a few of these.
2: I only ended up watching two episodes because I was just trying to get through as much as possible.
0: No uh, I think
2: the show is good, but I couldn't really shake the feeling the whole time that it was kind of like eerie on ice light. There's not a whole lot of overlap in the plotting necessarily between those two shows but a lot of the visual language is shared. Like it's the point where the OP is kind of just a ballet themed version of born to make history. And I think the show suffers a bit for it. Like the show is, it's also got some really anime ass plot points going on here where the, our lead is struggling under the weight of pretty grounded, realistic societal expectations of what a man can and should be and the hobbies or drives that he should have but he's also dealing with all of that in the wake of trying to live up to his dead father who is who we see as a reasonable man and isn't quite beholden to those kinds of societal pressures but who was a very famous stunt person and who the family very much looked up to and who his living brother is kind of taking over the reins for so get why junpei would want to emulate him at the same time though we have the parallel interest of junpei in going back to ballet because a hot girl has decided that he would be good at it and i just fucking hate those kinds of plot lines where it's like It would have been fine if he just wanted to do it and he was struggling and this girl was encouraging him. But we get some weird ass dialogue from Junpei about like being lured into doing this because at one point she accidentally flashed her panties at him. The objection to me isn't so much that it happened because I like the way it's framed. Mm -hmm. And more that like this would be a much more powerful show if the main tension here was just Junpei versus toxic masculinity. And not Junpei versus toxic masculinity versus his burgeoning crush on the hot dancer girl. Because to me, that's still toxic masculinity. Or not toxic masculinity, but it's still, it's not positive. He's not doing it for himself. Right. And maybe that changes in the future, but it's hard to kind of accept like, oh, this is a good thing for him. When it seems like the only thing driving him to do ballet in some respects is just trying to win the admiration of this girl, it kind of undercuts its whole social message. It is compelling, though. It's a very compelling show. It's a very well-animated show. I don't really understand Luo yet. I don't know where that's gonna go. He seems fine so far. One other thing I wanted to say about this show is while it looks great, I think the character designs are pretty whack. And I'll say it's entirely because all of them have some weird half-moon circle in their eyes that is otherworldly distracting
1: to me. I'm Maybe glad it's just someone me. pointed that out because yeah. even, even I, like, I got distracted by that.
2: <laughs> it's such an easy design change. Uh, I, so I have to wonder if the manga made that look better and they tried to translate it into the anime, kind of like how Farewell Mike Kramer was trying to translate the manga's designs and just kind of face faulted. This looks a lot better than Farewell Mike Kramer, and I can see where it'd be very easy to just overlook, like, that there's weird half circles in everyone's eyes. I started kind of forgetting about it by the end of episode two until we got, like, a close-up of someone's face, and I was like, ah! Yeah, I think overall, like, this is solid. It's a solid start. I would really like to see this turn into a show that is entirely about Junpei versus the expectations on him and kind of see it lose the romantic angles of it because i think those are pretty weak Mm -hmm. but the introduction of luo the cousin and junpei being jealous of her cousin suggests we're gonna get some weird ass shit and i'm just not here for it i do also think if you want a sports anime about people dealing with unspoken expectations of them that's gender and or social societal issues based yuri on ice is still kind of the best of this and there's nothing
0: here that's really overcoming yuri on ice at this point i'll have a little more to say about the cousin aspect of this show uh Teresa, what did you think
3: i'm scared for the cousin <laughs> yeah no is um, he a
2: robot is he a robot from the future no <laughs> no,
3: no god
2: no <laughs> it's
3: funny um uh, no i did thank you for pointing out the animation it was something where i didn't quite notice it all the time but then i was like what is up with their faces and it wasn't as i feel like it was kind of dialed down with luo but like with the main character Junpei, I was like, "What is going on with this expressions?" But it's probably just the close-ups and that half moon distracting me. I thought it was okay. I thought I was gonna like it better. I think the third episode, what Cameron alluded to, is rough. The pacing of everything—it's—I think it makes sense in the terms of a coming of age story art and it's probably always what I don't like of like they're screwing up they're screwing it up and they're not getting the point well he's screwing it up in episode three majorly with all of his friends and it just made me really sad for him he should just be who he needs to be I would probably continue watching as someone who took ballet the first episode was amazing the opening like oh my gosh when I probably was that little girl asleep in the ballet but then when something really cool happened waking up I thought it was very coincidental that he only likes the parts with the male ballet and I was like I was getting some boy love vibes from that but at the very beginning I don't know if there's really a romance I didn't really notice a romance it was more he can't control his hormones and he's mm-hmm. a wimp and he needs to like get it together. It's almost like like very junior high of like, I don't want to touch a girl. Like, oh, but she's kind of cute, I guess. So that was a little silly, but I forgave it because, you know, they're not supposed to be adults. I definitely thought that the banter with the ballet teacher and her being kind of frightening my tap dancing teacher was very frightening she was the mom and then her daughter gave us um, ballet and jazz and I was like oh I don't want to take tap in the middle with the mean old lady but you know what she did get it done. so I definitely thought that was hilarious that she's whipping him into shape and she's actually not drawn very old that's why I was like why does he keep calling this woman old hag
0: um (laughs)
3: Uh, anyway. It doesn't make sense, but I do like that she doesn't take any mess and that she, you knows she's like, just quit soccer. Just forget about your friends. If you want to do ballet, I mean, you have to do it. And honestly, all the people I've ever known who do ballet, like professionally, they, I didn't see them very much because it is very full on. So I think she, you know, she had a point. I do like that the show is about the struggles, but I don't know. I just, I needed a little bit more frivolity or something. For me to, to truly
1: love it.
0: Understandable. I totally see the perspectives of how people would find this one a little more mixed. I guess to me, it's just like I've been waiting for something to hit me as hard from MAPPA since like Hidoro or uh, yeah. or like Jujutsu Kaisen. And I just last year just wasn't quite there. Like Ichizen Deities was just awful. Remain was fun, but nothing all that like extraordinary. And then like, of course, our jujitsu Kaisen stuff was great. And I know like, I'm and don't get me wrong, I'm looking forward to like the the Chainsaw Man adaptation that they're working on. And
1: another one that they're working on that looks really good. Uh, Mike, what did you think? Well, first of all, I think you can blame Attack on Titan for stealing all of (laughs) Mappa's resources. But getting to the show, yeah, it's kind of necessary to have more shows confronting toxic masculinity and breaking down all of those stigmas but I would also be lying if I said that this was the most enjoyable of the the music trifecta as I guess we'll call it. The animation's great. Say what you will about Mappa's work environment. The quality speaks for itself. It, it's gorgeous and like the actual dance choreography in that opening is incredible. Junpei There there were a lot of times watching this where I would scream to myself, Junpei, you idiot, because that's just how he was raised or or at least like how... It's the metaphorical baggage that he has on him and what he has to look like to everyone else. Exactly. So it's understandable why he's, at least for these first couple episodes, kind of a pill. By the end of episode three, that's when it becomes easier to root for him because that's when he really starts to i guess let down his guard and kind of admit to himself okay i want to do ballet like but... screw
0: what everyone else thinks yeah. this is my
1: passion let's get on with it and haley i know i know you had a little bit of trouble with my cousin luo that like, his name
2: should have been luo that would have been better
1: <laughs> yes but he gets a great moment to shine and at the end of episode 3 he's doing this ballet routine during I want to say that this is like a talent show or... It's some like school thing,
0: and then he gets kind of hazed, which is like the most uncomfortable moment of the episode. And mostly because
1: of the backstory about who his mom was and... That moment towards the end of the episode is pretty cathartic for both (laughs) characters, really. For those who are kind of struggling with the first couple episodes, if you can get to this point and still want to continue... I say absolutely go for it and episode three is what makes me want to see this through to the end.
0: At the point of the third episode Junpei is pretty much ready to say like you know what I don't care who I piss off anymore I'm gonna do what I want. Uh, Ruo basically like he was the son of a famous pops idol and he was the son of the father who was not his actual father so like he was born through an affair throughout his like his young life he was pretty much put into ballet from the start with a very abusive individual who was supposed to be taking care of him and making sure he grows up to be okay and that's why he's always a bit off and Miyako is pretty much just trying her best to make sure he functions and like hey there's other people out here who like ballet and can do it as well. I don't think there's going to be any weird, creepy love triangle thing because, no, you don't do that with the cousin angle. Like, you can't do that. I think to me it's just – I connected it with a bit more of a like an emotional, ethereal level of just like finding that moment of like just dumping all that emotional, metaphorical baggage to be who you really are, that hit me a bit harder than most anime that i 've seen with this kind of storyline now, yes, I agree. I think Healer Girl and Demon are better shows, but I like the angle of this, and I want to see where it goes it 's only going to be eleven episodes, so we 'll have to see how it goes and if you just are down for some very emotional driven visuals and music and dancing and can stomach through some of the more intentionally uncomfortable moments. Definitely give this one a watch. Because, you know, whatever you could say about Dance 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 that didn't work for you, at least it wasn't trapped in a dating sim. The world of otome Games is tough for mobs. As we begin our romance section. Oh, let's get into this one. It's based off of the novels and manga by Yomu Mishima. It's directed by Kazuya Miura and Shinichi Fukumoto, and it's written by Kenta Ihara and produced by ENGI. Blackmailed into playing a dating simulator set in a matriarchy, an ordinary man must put up with the unbearable and convoluted world until he clears the game. After countless days of grinding, he finally manages to beat it, but his hardcore gaming comes at a cost. Extreme sleep deprivation and hunger. Basically, he's about to go out and get some food, he falls down some stairs, He dies, apparently, and gets transported into the very game that he struggled and tediously went through. Since he knows the game in and out, he wants to pretty much exploit the exploits that are in the game, get super strong early on, and then basically live a peaceful life with nobody messing with him. But of course, being inside the game, the game pretty much forces him into the spotlight. So then he has to pretty much go about it, how, you know, most Isekai characters would it has to deal with all this nonsense. This show's not good. I am probably in the vocal minority about how I feel about this show, and I'm sure we all do as well. I don't quite get the positive reviews. I don't agree with them about how complex this Isekai is, but um, we'll get into that, and I'll get into one of the oh, one of the dumb twists. Haley, what did you think?
2: Yeah, this is pretty dang bad. One of my biggest issues with this is the, the whole setup of the dating sim that he's trapped in. It's very strange to me because when I was in college, I had no life. And I played a lot of Otome games. I played a lot of dating sins. I played a lot of visual novels. I never played an Otome game that seemed to be advocating for an oppressive matriarchal class. I definitely played visual novels aimed at men with that plot line for sexual or ridiculous hijinks of some sort. So this whole show kind of gets off on the wrong foot by feeling like a bunch of guys got in a room and were trying to understand what women would play or want to play when they're playing video games. That feeling of like, I don't think anybody involved in this show has actually ever tried to play one of these types of video games. Just compounds as the show goes on. Ostensibly, our lead is playing this game so that he can show the final cutscenes to his sister, who is apparently interested enough in the game to make him do that, but not interested enough in it to just buy it herself and do it, or go on YouTube and watch clips of it, or... Google (laughs) translations? Yes. Girl, come on! She has so many avenues to make this happen without dealing with the brother she clearly hates. Also, falls down the stairs and dies is like the dumbest isekai way to be isekai So when you get past the premise, this is still terrible. I watched this a while ago and I've just kind of blocked it out like a bad memory. So I'm rereading my notes. What this game actually entails beyond the weird messed up power dynamics of it because at some point our lead is bugging a ship and then the whole second episode is them spelunking a cave if I'm remembering correctly (laughs) so it's like none of this would actually happen in an Otome game I'm so confused as to what they think Otome means like this just buy one and play it it's not hard there's a lot of them most of them you just kind of talk through and pick a dude to date and move along their plot line and Like, maybe do some mini-games? Nothing like this. I have a note that says, I hope you're reborn in hell, and I have no idea what that is relating to. (laughs) Um, No, this is fucking terrible. And, like, the fact that I'm, like, struggling to figure out what I wrote just kind of speaks to how unmemorable it is on top of everything. It's one of those shows that expects you to have played video games to understand it. But in this case, it's also the double whammy of expecting you to have played video games different from the video game it is ostensibly portraying. So if you have experience with actual Otome games, this is just fucking dumb. Like, this isn't a game that I think any woman who would be into these games would play. It's just, it doesn't hit any sort of normal plot beats that any major Otome franchise I can think of has. And then if you're a dude watching this who knows video games, why would you be watching this instead of the 17 other anime like this? Because this elite <laughs> is so viscerally unpleasant in this show. There's apparently a dude named Brad. I wrote that note. I was like, why is his name Brad? And this show is, I think, animated in a dark room where no one was paying attention to where their pencils were going because it looks bad. It is distressingly awful-looking. it's not even really worth wasting your time on the main thing i remember about it after watching it like two months ago is really that claiming to be about a dude in an otome game but it's really about a dude in a terrible h game that dudes because that's all the writers knew about and there's harami shit and he sucks yay creativity (laughs) this is fucking terrible sorry I can't even muster enthusiasm to tear it apart. I'm just like, I forgot about it. Blessedly. My brain did something right for once by making me forget that I watched this goddamn
0: awful thing. Right, right. This show goes through so much dialogue, and it tries to have interesting twists and turns, like how the existence of one character pretty much glitches out the actual main character of the game to pretty much staying as like the one hopeless, like, oh no, woe is me kind of character that would normally be the one the player plays. But due to how busted and broken all the, the whole game is, everything pretty much glitches out and ruins the game. And I like the idea of someone who is just so pissed off about being stuck in the game that he obviously hates, that he just basically hates plays hit to, like, just to get it done and over with. But it's not executed in that regards. And uh, I'll have more to talk about. Uh, Teresa, what did you think? Yeah, this one's not
3: my favorite. I do think I hate Tomodachi Games more, but this is a close second. There are things about the show that if it was done better, I probably would get into. I just find the whole world confusing the whole opening scene where he's just playing the game and then I was like is he dead like what's up with that and then I was like I guess so I like that he went and got like you know this spaceship with the computer who hates humans and tried to kill him which is probably not good that I'm rooting for the robot to probably kill the main character and then they have to you know they're stuck with each other I thought that was kind of funny I do like that the men have to throw a major tea party it's giving like Bridgerton vibes like reverse I thought that concept was good they execute it terribly I was like do I care what happens in this battle episode three ends with everyone making fun of his like Gundam suit or whatever and then he's like yeah but it's the good one and I like you know I bought with my credits and then I was like I don't actually care what happens um And that's kind of, it's just a little too boring. I have no investment. It's convoluted for no reason. There's too much dialogue, not enough romance at all. So I can I cannot recommend it.
2: wanted to interject really quickly because Teresa reminded me the whole fact that he seems to have bought a spaceship using like gotcha money in the middle of a printed on hard disc game. Like I know you can go in and buy like expansion packs or whatever. But the logic of this game is so muddled that when that came up, I was like, oh, is it a gotcha game now? Like, is that why she didn't want to play the game? Because she wa- didn't want to pay for all the routes? But then the money never comes up again. So I was just like, okay, I guess this is just any game that the devs have played ever thrown into a blender <laughs> and not actually in a game.
0: I mean, I get it. The angle of the game is that it was probably not given a huge budget. It was over ambitious. We've seen all of these kind of things in the game industry all of the time, where they're like, I want to do 5 million things in the game, and those 5 million things are never done well. I get that, but the fact that, like, the sister couldn't look up anything on YouTube, like, does YouTube not exist in this world? Apparently does not. Does that mean, like... Does Google not exist? Does GameFAQs not exist? I guess not, because otherwise the brothers. should be like... Oh, why don't you
2: just go on Reddit and find out how it ended? Like, good
0: God. (laughs) Nico, Nico
2: Doga, no one's streaming this on Twitch?
0: That's the thing. You think this would... Demands that you bend over backwards for it to really give up any kind of sense of, oh, what's that line in Ed Wood? It's like, just ignore it. You shouldn't have to think too hard about it. And it's just like, no, no, the show's not good enough for that. Mike, do you have anything to add before I dump into the dumb twists?
1: Well, a couple of things. One, I'm sorry, Cameron, I have to bring it up. I was fighting dub bias with this because I don't know if this was intended to be a comedy, but I could kind of tell based on the performance of the English language cast that they were trying to take the piss out of this material. It didn't work. The show is still stupid for all of the reasons from from how he dies to just sort of the throwing everything at the kitchen sink elements of this game the game itself just seems like just a hodgepodge of so what genre is this yes um (laughs) exactly and something else i was gonna bring up of the english language cast it was cool to see uh linda young show up as like one of the mistresses of the main character's family that was kind of cool but really just this show is if it was funnier like intentionally this could have been a more successful series or if it just straight up wasn't an isekai if it just was a sci-fi fantasy blend that had a comedic bent to it That would have made things a whole lot better. Not as clean in terms of world building, but it would make things more entertaining. A lot
0: of this anime's premise seems like it doesn't have to explain or answer anything because the game that the whole show takes place in is busted, so we don't have to answer anything. Why is there sci-fi Gundams and speed bikes and fantasy stuff? Who cares? And it's like, no, I care kind of immensely because the writing's not good enough to distract me from that. Also, if we wanted to watch, like, this isekai where someone gets transported into an otome dating sim game, we already have My Life as a Villainess. That's already, like, the premier example of anime that does this correctly. We don't need another one of these. Okay, let's jump into the twists. So, there's one decent thing I did like about how glitchy the game is, but I'll get to that. So... <laughs> In the marketing, you will see this young girl with like big pompo, the cinephile level length hair just hits the ground. Don't know how I'm curious how much weight there is behind her hair. She's basically the character who the uh, the meek blonde girl is supposed to be like she took over that role. And that's why the character basically is like stuck in it like, oh, help me, please. Mindset. And she's basically doing all the routes of dating all the handsome anime boys. So here's the kicker. That young girl character is someone else who got isekai into that world. Oh. Wait, oh. wait, wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. He got she got isekai into the singular disc that this yes. guy got isekai into. Yep. Like it's easier to accept these things when they're in like an MMO. But this is a single disc game that we see the packaging for. I'm starting to question whether these people know how video games work.
0: Trust me, I haven't even gotten to the dumbest part yet. So, the oh, wait. One, oh, God. Yeah, no. The one thing I do kind of like about how busted the game is, it pretty much ended up with the two blonde girls in the show ending up as a couple. Because the male lead, essentially, like, because of broken game design did not end up with a harem. They're not even, like, suit... Like, they care enough for him, but they're not romantically interested in him. I thought that was a decent little twist. I wish the designs weren't so generic or I had basically the whole, uh, like, oh, they have different hairstyles. And it's just that you just go from hairstyle one to hairstyle two. Because they all have that same, like, one piece or fairy tale level logic of like huh i want to make different designs for different characters but i don't want to give them all different body types (laughs) so but to the twist uh the young girl who basically manipulated all the handsome boys that you're supposed to date okay get ready she is the sister of the main character she oh got
2: her. no. Okay. I, <laughs> I can't think about it being the singular disc, but I now have many other questions. <laughs> did she fling herself down the stairs when she found her brother? That's Maybe. my main question. Did she die? Did she like come back and be like, oh no, my brother's dead? He will never tell me the endings. And then like she threw herself in front of Truck Coon? Like, did she? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: was I was hoping Truck Coon was just kind of waiting around the corner, just like, just you wait truck coon some stupid train. T- yeah just 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 waiting or go go full spirit chronicles get hit by a bus and a train so <laughs>
2: that was the one i trying to pick up <laughs> yes.
0: so yeah a lot of questions and it's trying to be like commentary of this incredibly uncomfortably sexist world that the game is in It doesn't work. I gave this thing way too many episodes. For 12 episodes, there's just nothing to it. I Just go watch My Life as a Villainous. Just go watch that one, or go watch The Saints Magic Powers Omnipotent. It's getting a second season. Hooray for good things actually happening.
2: There's also a lot of great Otome games you can just play. Exactly. (laughs) That are just available for purchase. Uh, You can find a lot of them on the Switch. Uh, More hours of fun. (laughs) And no random buying the spaceships.
0: Oh yeah, this whole show's production values suck. The big robot action sequences? Barely there. They never happen. It's as animated as they possibly could on a probably a tight budget with overworked, burnt out animators.
3: Why did they put it in the story then? Jeez.
0: I have no idea. I wish I knew. Overstuffed and still so boring. I wish because I'm sure there are some just bug nutty anime production histories, especially with stuff like this or like that Ari Ferretta Isekai anime that like had to basically get scrapped, delayed a year, and it came out looking cheaper than it should have. Ooh, ouch.
2: They could have worked that into the plot of this. Instead of making it an Okome game, they could have made it like his sister wants to find out the endings for a really cheap, really niche phone game. And it's terrible quality, the writing's all over the place, and you could make this plot work if you kind of leaned into that more, but they didn't.
0: No, this needed like a a Konosuba level, just levels of spite and cynicism, because it's like, it kind of seems like it wants to go in that direction, but it doesn't, but no- One of the worst anime of the season. I don't know if I'd say it's the worst one of the year just because of just how, or of the season because of how bonkers the twists are, but uh, it's not good. Let's just move on. Let's go on to a couple of cuckoos. Mm -hmm. So this is based off of the popular manga by Miki Yoshikawa. It's directed by Hiroaki Akagi and Yoshiyuki Shirahata. It's written by Yashuhiro Nakanishi and produced by Shin A Animation and Synergy SP. Nagi Umino and Erika Amano, a studious high school student and a social media star, had nothing that linked them together until they found out they were swapped at birth. When the sudden news is revealed to both of their families, their parents quickly devise a a proposition with neither Nagi nor Erika's knowledge. In order to restore them both to their rightful families and ensure everyone's happiness, the two should get engaged. Okay, uh, let's talk about this. Ugh. It's not good. It's just, no, just short, to the point. Not good. Not a good rom-com. Grab colors. It doesn't have enough energy to pretty much be funny. It's trying to be funny, but it just gets nowhere, and the characters just aren't good. Or we run into another situation where we're following the wrong characters joyous day. Haley, what did you think?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was honestly kind of appalled at how bad this was. Like, I would almost rank this down there with Tomodachi game. I would honestly rather watch more of Trapped in an Otobe game than this. One thing I want, I know, I know. I think the biggest problem for it, with it for me is that its animation falls super deep into the uncanny valley. So the show is kind of generally unpleasant in terms of its plotting, but it also looks deeply wrong. Like, remember when Sailor Moon Crystal came out and in stills it looked fine? but as soon as you were watching it, like, Serena's eyes were drifting off of her face and the characters kind of moved weird and it seemed like they were CG-ish, but it was all hand-drawn. Cuckoo's is like that a lot. The shots where Erica's eyes are properly located on her face, I could probably count on one hand in the two episodes I watched. There's something very off about a lot of these characters. And off about a lot of these characters... Even in shots where it's clearly supposed to look good, like in the OP, for some reason, the male lead has a conehead size forehead in one shot. It's really distracting because I did genuinely think huge chunks of this anime were bad CG until I realized, no, there's just some fucking weird frame rate thing going on or they've, like, zoomed into, like, hand-drawn animation. Something is very wrong with how this show moves and how the characters move in it. Moving on from that, the note that best encapsulates my feeling on this show is, when I wrote, this show is inexplicable. I don't understand how any of the things in this plot happen. Like, there's no chemistry at all between these two leads. Which would be one thing if we're supposed to buy that they're, You know, they hate each other. They're bickering people who are thrown into this plot contrivance of needing to get married. But the whole first episode is them on a fake date where they don't realize who the other is. And I'm going to call BS on that because Erica looks just like this motherfucker's mom. There is no fucking way that he sat there going, huh, I wonder who this girl is. She is the spitting image of his mother. We see pictures of his mother when he when she gave birth to him. We see pictures of his mother from family vacations where she looks like Erica. She has Erica's hair color, which is peach pink. That was the thing that really finally blew it for me. I was like, how did you not fucking know? You're supposed to be a genius. And you looked at this woman and went, huh, she seems normal. No familial resemblance at all. Like, Christ, bro. The whole first episode is them on a fake date where they're quote unquote bantering, I guess. And we're supposed to buy that they have kind of like a tsundere or slap, slap, kiss kind of energy to them, but they don't. They don't really have personalities. Erica's terrible. Erica's personality is just rotten. She's yeah. pretty nasty. So it comes off mean. It feels like both of them do not have any friends. And I've never interacted with human beings before. And we're supposed to like buy into the fact that they have chemistry, but they don't, which makes kind of the rest of everything else fall apart. I assume we're supposed to want to root for them to get together in this silly arranged marriage nonsense. But most of the time in the second episode, I was like begging one of them to just stop hanging out with the other. Like they clearly don't want to be around each other. They have no chemistry. The male's personality ping pongs back and forth. Like, one of my notes was that I just didn't understand what his opinion of Erica was because he goes from possessive, then angry, and then weird about what Erica means to him. And they've known each other again for like three days. So it's just all, like I said, inexplicable. Like, <laughs> It's weird because there is a good version of this show and it's called Nisekoi and it's really well done. It has the same kind of arranged marriage plotline. They're not baby swaps, but it's about the son of the local, I think, Yakuza? No, the son of the local like police gang and the daughter of the local Yakuza who they pretend to be dating to prevent a gang war. And it's done really charmingly, and it kind of does everything this show is trying to do, but with a lot more verve and panache to the point where I can overlook that it's got the Love Hina problem of the female lead punching the male lead a lot. But this also is just Marmalade Boy from like the 2000s. Like nothing Mm -hmm. about this is original, and the way it's executed is really rancid. I don't get why this is popular. I really don't. Like this is very popular right now. And I was watching this, like, actively angry at it. I don't like when an anime is trying so hard to convince me of something, and it's just failing, but it refuses to see where it's failing. And this is, it's kind of like combatants, where it's failing at almost every level. Like, the music's not great, the animation is, holy shit, what is going on. The plotting's terrible, these are terrible characters. The only characters I'd want to spend any time with are Eriko's birth parents. Who seem like confidence men or like loan sharks, almost like that kind of archetype, except they run a restaurant. Right. And that seems way more fun than following wet blanket and asshole girl as they maybe fall in love with each other. (laughs) And then some little sister incest bullshit. Like, okay, fantastic. Let's usher them out and have like a Damon style show with these terrible, terrible parents.
0: A lot of this shows visuals, really wants to pull off that Makoto Shinkai polish or the uh that film, I want to eat your pancreas, but it never reaches that. And like I said, the animation, like it wants to be funny, but the animation is not slick enough or quick enough for it to be actually funny where the jokes land. And are you telling me that these two kids were switched at birth and the parents did not just you know yeah. sue the freaking hospital for this and they say it's oh, like, that was oh, my wait. other
2: thing how did they switch a Boy biological and male girl. and a biological girl. female like how did that happen you would have known Actually. in the room as a parent that you did not have the same baby <laughs> it would be yeah. one thing if we were swapping two girls or two boys but like holy shit like This show should be about the $35 million that both of these parents got in a settlement with the hospital for emotional distress.
0: That's what I was kind of thinking about. It never dawned on it. And then Erica says, babies are switched at birth all the time. And it's like, that's a horrifying reality. Oh, my goodness. (laughs)
2: I did Google that because I was like, there's no way that's right. And I saw no evidence of this. I just wanted to make sure before I said something in this podcast, I was like, this isn't like an endemic problem, is it? No, it is not.
0: No. And it is like, at first, for some reason, before this show aired, I was like, I got really confused because I was thinking like, okay, is this going like a, uh, what's that term? Uh, Like domestic girlfriend thing where it's like, oh, are they going to become related or something? Or what's the deal? Is this going to be like really weirdly incest heavy? And then when it turns out, they're like, oh, the parents aren't related or anything. It's just like, oh, okay. And then the sister chimes in and it's like, oh Lord, they just cannot stop with this show. And I, I get that they're trying to go the route of, well, she's not the blood related sister, but that's still like his sister for like, a majority of his living life. This show and like the last one are like the quote from Ed Wood. What do you know? Haven't you heard of suspension of disbelief? I have. It doesn't work. Teresa, what did you think?
3: Once I got past episode one, I didn't outright hate it. But episode one, the whole thing, I was like, this girl sucks. She's blackmailing him. She also blackmails him a little bit later to take these pictures. And I'm like, how did you become a social media star without like your dad's rich just have somebody come be your photographer like I don't understand why she needs this boy off the street to pretend to be her boyfriend on the way and yeah and thank you for bringing up the switch to birth it's completely ludicrous it makes no sense no one judges it brings it up ever again after episode one really and I'm like this is weird. I do like the potato boy, his parents. His parents are cool. Her parents are weird. They're just engraving doorbells. They met each other last week. Like, what the hell? Just too many questions. I think the tone is all over the place. She's blackmailing him. Then they're going shopping. And then they're just having fun and all these pictures and just playing around. I was like, I don't need this with the parents. And it's really cute. And I was like, oh, maybe I don't have. Maybe she's just a little neglected, little spoiled brat. She just needs real parents. And then I was like, no, she's obnoxious. I don't want any more of this. And them living together, I was like, no. Like as, as soon as the dad's like,
2: yeah, bye, you're gonna live
3: together for two whole weeks. I was like, kill me now. I do not like survivor shows or Big Brother. I was like, this is this is not what I want to watch. So I cannot recommend it. But if you all these things that we're listing, we're like, ah, oh, not so bad. Then okay. I mean, like you said, somebody likes it. I'm just not that person.
0: It, anime is in that weird little bubble of just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good. Otherwise, like the rise of the S.H.I.E.L.D. hero would not have gone past that first season. I guess I kind of get it. There are some moments where they let the characters breathe. But all this time, I was just like, I could be watching My Dress Up, Darling. Or, heaven forbid, last year's Girlfriend, Girlfriend, where at least the appeal of watching that show is watching these hormonal teenagers act like complete knuckleheads around one another. I at least get the appeal of that show. Here... I don't know. I guess I'd rather watch, like, uh, what what was that, uh, Fly Me to the Moon? And, like, anime that, like, Crunchyroll helped produce? Oh, uh, Tony Cow. Yeah, that one. I'd rather watch that one. And that one pretty much makes our two leads a couple within the first episode. <laughs> like, but at least that one had, like, good chemistry and good dynamics. This one, yeah, both of the characters suck. In the rich parents? are so creepy to me because it seems like every time they pop up, they're like vaguely threatening their biological son. Threatening (laughs) with a smile. (laughs) It's like, hey, by the way, you better marry her or else there's a sniper 12 buildings away that could shoot you from that point. Okay, love you, son. Bye. And it's like, whoa, okay. Uh, Mike, do you have anything to add before we move on?
1: I think this is one of those anime that just kind of falls apart in the execution. I'm not going to defend the show's merits, but I will at least try to give it the benefit of the doubt in that it wants to be sort of like a play on the idea of arranged marriage in like a modern setting, but just nothing about it works. Even down to the first minute, the first line of dialogue, Oh, babies get switched at birth all the time. If you fail so hard in the first line of dialogue, that's almost the point of no return. There's just no redemption after that, no matter how hard the rest of the show tries. So no, I do not recommend this. And this is by no means the type of romance show that I am interested in. It's not a good one because we're about to talk about two that are actually
0: pretty solid love after world domination and i'm not gonna say it shares the same universe as Ms. koroitsu of the monster development department but it's a really weird coincidence we have two super sentai parody shows that are both comedies and focus on one interesting hook for the premise This is based off of the manga by Hiroshi Noda. It's directed by Kazuya Iwata, written by Satoru Sugizawa, and produced by Project Number 9. Fudo Aikawa and Dezumi Magahara have just started dating, but no one is allowed to know. Nicknamed Red Gelato, Fudo is the leader of Gelato 5, a group of heroes dedicated to protecting Japan. On the other hand, the Reaper Princess Dezumi is one of the combatant leaders of Gecko, an evil secret society bent on world domination and considered Gelato 5's greatest foe. As they pretend to be mortal enemies, Fudo and Desmi sneak away from battle to spend time. Essentially, this is the Power Rangers parody of what if the Red Ranger fell in love with the villain? Or the villainess, per se, of any Super Sentai show. I really like this one. I think it's very cute, very clever. We also have an, a second couple this season where they share pretty much a couple of brain cells together, and that seems to work really well for these kind of comedies, especially like with Aha Ren and such. Haley, what did you think?
2: So I think this is cute. I think it's a little slight, but it's definitely cute. It's very charming. I don't really watch a whole lot of Sentai shows. I watch a lot of Tokusatsu, but more not like the not like the Power Ranger type stuff. More the you know, one dude has a transforming icon and then he turns into a bug guy and he kicks people in rubber suits kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was, there were a few things about this where I was like, hmm, is this maybe just because I'm not familiar with this? And the main one was the lead female character's clothes. I was like, is this a thing in Sentai shows? And I Googled it and found an image that almost exactly looks like these two characters in an actual Sentai show. And I was like, okay, so they're making a point here with her costume, Okay. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of a. that's still like the biggest problem I have with this show is that it really loves focusing on her ass. But wow. otherwise, my biggest problem with this is it feels kind of more, it's not haha funny. It's kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge funny. Like this is a really bad comparison, but I couldn't think of anything better. It mm-hmm. Kind of feels like a family guy joke where they cut away and they're just like recreating a TV show. And the joke is, you remember this TV show, right? And I feel like some a good chunk of the humor in this show is kind of not that lazy. It didn't really make me laugh out loud. I just kind of went, oh, that's clever. Or that's, a, that's an interesting way of bringing that up. It's good. It didn't get to great for me. I like what it's setting up, and I like that it's basically a foyer fanfic come to life. Like, that's a really fun concept. And I did enjoy the second episode more than the first laying down the groundwork started to help and we're starting to see more of their actual personalities in episode two like that uh red gelato is just like a gym meathead and he's he's a total dumbass and that the uh, Reaper Princess is actually fairly disliked and bullied by her own staff, which is really sad. Like, she's so nice and cute, even though she's destroying the world. Like, why did her people hate her so much? And also, Helco is amazing, and I would die for Helco. But maybe it just takes a little bit to get going. Definitely nice. Definitely a good show, a nice show. Just didn't inch its way into great for me, but definitely
0: something that i can see like sentai and toku fans getting a real kick out of well it's interesting because it's like on one hand the henchman parodies are obvious like common rider parodies like that that's the henchman you would see in like the very first 1970s series of common rider but everything else is very much powering one of the uh, things they
2: did really well with that is the bizarre like fan service of these sentai shows is really well done here where it's like they have the very chase transforming scene. And then for some reason we're focused on the moody guy's ass and in his inset shot. I was like, this is exactly how these shows go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Teresa, what did you think?
2: Yeah, I loved
0: it. I thought it was super
3: cute. I just love that they called them gelato fight and that was like full on scariest and it continues in all the episodes. And I just think that it's just like really funny and the whole sequence where they're introducing their flavors and what they stand for. It was just too much where I I just thought it was like really dead on even if you aren't a super big Power Ranger fan, you will still get it. And I'm sure my friends who are big Power Ranger fans have a lot of a lot of opinions about this, but I thought it was hilarious. I really love how the evil like uh, society got together and all the evil princesses were you know trying to come up with ideas. And then the the evil. I was like, stop coming with date places. And I just thought it was like so cute. Um, it is giving me a bit of anxiety because they're obviously going to get found out. But I don't know how long they can keep it going. But I am along for the ride. I definitely would watch more of it. I also like that the um, her layer or whatever. Like there's a lot of different like detail in her room. Detail of her like makeup bag. Uh, like all the stuff on kind of like the bear guy. Little details in the animation that I just. That's great. It is funny that she's she is basically wearing lingerie in the evil suit. Most of the time, I thought it was really funny that he found out all these things about her. And of course, it was on her Instagram and that that, shows that he's invested enough to learn everything about her in a weird kind of cute sad way. So, yeah, if you if you want the actual rom-com, this is one. And I love when it has a supernatural element.
1: Mike, what did you think? The show is stupid, but the best kind of stupid. I described this on Twitter as Power Rangers meets Meg Ryan rom-com. If you grew up with either of those in the 90s, then I think you're exactly the target audience for the show. I think the best episodes are episodes two and three, once you actually dive further into these two romantic leads and actually get to know them better but the first episode is still a lot of fun too because like that's your introduction to the world and to the gelato five i also love how stupid like the actual parody of the super sentai is like the team is named after like frozen ice cream flavors it's that kind of ridiculous that i think will take this show to the distance towards the end of episode three that's when like the other team members start to find out about their secret and i'm very curious to see where they go in that direction
0: it's a delightful kind of charming show and yes Haley, a lot of the female villains of power rangers shows basically like what would a 12 year old boy find attractive but not go too far this is ex- essentially that answer. I'm just like, well, if we took it just a little too far.
1: And yeah, she's, she, even... she's basically a, a cuter version of Rita Repulsa.
0: I was going to say, I don't
2: know how far, if it's even like taking it that far, because I was Googling, like, I Googled sentai villain female and got <laughs> quite a few pictures of female villains basically in like tiered coats and underwear. And I was like, I guess this is just a thing.
0: Yeah, no, it it it's is not it's,
2: really like that in common writer. Like we got we get some sexy ladies, but they're in like business suits.
0: Right, right. No, it's very much like even in like the U.S. version of Power Rangers shows, it's just like the women would wear very revealing outfits, and it's like, huh, all right. <laughs> I granted, I think the worst jokes that the, this rom com has are the fan servicey elements. Yeah, I did like the episode where Gelato Red goes to the evil HQ to go see her. And I mean, I think it's very cute. Like they're very it's a very wholesome and healthy relationship. They obviously love each other and want to know more about one another. I love that. He's just like, oh, my gosh, your entire room is cute. And then (laughs) it's just like her main uh, like TV screen comes on and then you see like like a timer pop up and it's like she has to like push him down and she sits on top of him which is like eh, okay whatever and then they got the henchman it's like did i see a man in there and she's like no you're just stupid he's like "Uh, yeah i guess you're right i don't think you would have a man in there okay over and out and then it's like oh okay now that they're gone and then everything slows down again. The bear's like, I'm coming And, oh, it, it's got a very fun, chaotic energy when it doesn't have to go back to fan servicey jokes. And unfortunately, that's what kind of happens in some of the, in the episodes. And they're always the worst parts. But there is this one part where they do a obligatory beach episode. And the Beast Princess, she, like, comes across our two leads like one of them is the reaper princess is burying gelato five and she's just like oh no she's burying him and then she goes away it's like oh my gosh she is more ruthless than i could ever imagine and then the reaper princess is like okay hold still and it looks like she's about to whack gelato five in the head and then the beast princess of course is just like oh man she's gonna just like smash his brains out and then it turns out that the reaper princess is hitting a watermelon. So <laughs> but of course the beast princess hears that and she's like, oh my goodness, it's violent as hell. <laughs> now, one of the teammates of the Gelato 5 does find out, but they do a really cute like connection between like, oh, it just so happens that one of the team members knows about the outside real life persona of the Reaper Princess. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I'm a little bummed the yellow gelato ranger kind of has like the weakest jokes or the gags about her it's just like she's got boobs okay but i did like she's like you know what you should go on a date and then do what something that you both love and of course it turns out that he thinks that like okay we're gonna go to the gym and then we're gonna eat a bunch of energy bars for a meal and then she calls while that out at a hot spring. And she's like, Oh yeah, by the way, all that dating advice I told you. Uh, yeah. Don't do any of that because she's probably going to look her best for you. So you don't want to do anything that's going to make her look, get sweaty. And <laughs> the fact that he like, he's so committed to making sure that she's happy. And I think that's just super charming. Now the big bad villain, like the, the leader of the organization He's not as good as the Ms. Koroitsu head of the organization in that show. But there is this great gag where the Reaper princess is get a promotion, but doing so would mean that she gets fused with an animal, which is why we get the bear monster. And we get a few more animal hybrid characters. And she's just like, you know what? I like who I am, so I'm not going to do it. And then he's like, reaper princess now that's the sign of a real supervillain. you bad mouthing back to me about this promotion it just shows that you had the true skills of a villain it's a charming show i adore it and i'm going to be kind of sad if we don't get more of these power ranger parodies but i don't i hope they don't go overboard with them like the reasons why this and miss koroitsu works because miss koroitsu was like a workplace comedy that just happened to be with the monster creator of like the power rangers or common rider villain group This one is just a rom-com, and I want them to find a, a hook or a different angle to it every time. Now let's go on to probably the best romance anime of the season, with Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie. This is based off of the manga by Keigo Maki. It's directed by Ryota Ito. It's written by Yoshimi Narita. That name pops up again. And it's produced by Doga Kobo. Shikamori seems like the perfect girlfriend. Cute, fun to be around. Sweet when she wants to be. But she has a cool, dark side that comes out under the right circumstances. And her boyfriend, Izumi, loves to be around her when that happens. What a weird way to describe this show with just that one sentence. Our main character, our boy character, Izumi, has the worst luck in the world and but happens to have like the most ideal anime waifu girlfriends but she turns out to be instead of like this outwardly cute and you know very anime like girlfriend she's like a tough edgy individual where she's just like i don't need you to keep worrying about me and stuff like that but we'll get into that Haley, what did you think about this show
2: This show is really, really charming. I really like this show. It really showcases how much having just decent chemistry between your two leads can go a long way because the show is slight. The basic concept is Izumi has the worst luck of any human being alive and is also kind of like Usagi-level stupid in some regards. And his girlfriend is basically his protector prince type character. That's it. That's the central conceit of this show, but it works really well because you can tell that these two kids genuinely like each other a lot. There's not a whole lot of contrived means that are trying to break them up, which I like. The show is about their relationship and not everyone trying to destroy their relationship. I think the side characters are really solid too, which helps. Like Her friends Neko and Hachimitsu are really great. I think the biggest laugh I got out of this show was when they go bowling in episode one and Hachimitsu is bowling like Tom Haverford and Parks and Rec. Like just slamming it down on the ground and rolling it as slowly as humanly possible. I was straight up dying. It's an old gag, but it's a good gag. I feel like there's not a whole lot to say because if that concept sounds stupid to you, then this show is not going to be fun because that is the show. They do it in a lot of different ways. They showcase Izumi's bad luck and Mori's coolness in a lot of different ways. But if you're sitting there going, ah, that just doesn't sound like something that appeals to me, there's literally almost nothing in this show that you're going to enjoy. It is genuinely very funny, though. It's a lot of great physical comedy, which is really hard to pull off in anime, I feel like. Not many succeed. But there's a great gag where she's more trying to protect Izumi from an errant eraser being thrown in his head. And she manages to perfectly flip it onto her own head. And describing that, that doesn't sound very funny, but the way it's animated and the way she defends him is extremely funny.
0: This show has just perfect comedic animation. So. And oh, yeah. perfect
2: comedic timing, Yeah, yeah. I also really like how this show seems to be more grounded and accurate about the things teenagers find beautiful or upsetting about each other. Like the first episode an example of the beautiful where Izumi is just looking at the back of Shikimori's neck and it's a really powerful moment that kind of does more to kind of sell us on the fact that Izumi really is in love with her than any amount of other fan service would. It's a very realistic kind of oh wow my girlfriend is beautiful like just looking at the side of her neck as opposed to boobs or How we usually get this in anime, and then in the second episode, Shikimori becomes kind of like the the school queen because she's super cool in all things, and Izumi kind of starts hanging away from her to give her her space and starts spending a lot of time with his friend who looks like Bakugo, and I didn't write his name down because I just kept calling him Bakugo. So um, Uh, it's
0: true, but it's pretty much Bakugo. It's Bakugo. It's
2: it's Bakugo. If Bakugo wasn't threatening to push people off of roofs. And she is jealous of Shu. She's jealous of him. And she makes it clear. And it's never played for like, laughs like, oh, it's so ridiculous that you think Izumi would want to be with Shu. It actually turns into a good character moment where he's like, no, I wanted to give you that space. I, you know, It's it's a realistic kind of issue that I could see a teen couple getting into, but it's handled with grace and sensitivity and not like, law you thought i was gay <laughs> yeah the show's just really charming i also think it has the best ending theme animation where it's just shiki mori karate chopping a bunch of things coming in azumi and like a 16-bit arcade style game animation it's very mm-hmm. fun i
0: don't think this is as good as Aharen,
2: but that's always dependent on your sense of humor this is still very funny and very well done if you like Aharen, i think you'll really like this too
0: yeah no it's like the show at first doesn't really reinvent the wheel in terms of rom-com, but its execution is what makes it work. And uh, Teresa, what did you think? Yeah,
3: I thought it was okay. I didn't love it, but I definitely wouldn't mind watching it. I definitely like Shikamoi, I mean, like the character, the boyfriend being a clutch. I'm holding my my hand to my chest, my heart. And I do like how the episode talks about they just have to let him go through life and get into danger and do what they can and you know they're inspired by his like really sunny attitude despite all the things that go wrong I feel really bad that he lost his wallet for the third time or whatever that they showed so I thought that was cute I definitely thought the movie theater scene was adorable something about the slapstickiness it just seemed a little bit repetitive in the first episode so I'm not sure I could watch like 12 episodes in a row, but what I've seen so far, I did like. I absolutely love the opening sequence and I noticed like the little thing, it looks like you're taking a picture with an iPhone frame. And I thought that was a really cute kind of a thing and definitely really love the, the ending song. So I feel like I identified most with the, with black haired friend and, you know, her kind of backing up Shikamori all the time, defending her boyfriend. So I thought that was cute. And I definitely love when Shikamori gets upset um and defends her man i thought that was the best part of that episode
1: mike do you have anything to add so whenever you hear the the genre title romantic comedy usually they lean a little bit too far into the romance and not enough in the comedy i think this show does a great job of balancing the two out this is a very sweet romance between our two leads but it's also just incredibly funny most of that is just perfectly timed animation, like the comedic timing in terms of the, the dialogue. And yes, I watched this in the dub and the dub is great. All of the characters are varying degrees of likable, except for for like those other classmates of Izuki's who are talking all their trash and Shikimori rightfully gives them the death glare. That scene was just great. And I think episode three is probably my favorite episode so far. Not just because... It's a movie that happens to take place at a movie theater. But just that we start to dive a little bit deeper into into their relationship and why Izuki is the way he is. Also, it is kind of funny that Shiki Mori is... She can get along with everyone, even to the point that even Izumi's mom starts to get a crush on her. I thought that was a little bit funny. But yeah, if you're into... Shows like Komi Can't Communicate or Aharen, you should definitely watch this immediately. Shout out to the fact that Izumi has like some
0: of the best parents in the anime. Super supportive, very kind and likable. Yeah. And it was very cute to see Shikimori playing Wii Boxing with the dad. (laughs) And the, the two parents are delightful throughout the whole future episodes. We've had a lot of likable parent characters in this season. Like, I think the parent character in Love After World Domination is also very funny. Uh, I think what's kind of fun about this one is that while it comes off as a very simple rom-com that just happens to be animated wonderfully with just a good art style and such, it does dive into the complexity of, like, Shikamori's character. She's not really this outwardly bubbly and cute girl. She's just tough edgy, like, I will hit you if you piss me off. But she's worried about coming off as cute to Izumi. And is just kind of like, I just like you for who you are. And Izumi, like, yes, has as much bad luck as walking across like 15 broken mirrors. But he is genuinely a nice guy. He's not trying to get anything or like thinking he's like owed something by being with Shikamori. He just likes being with her. And I like that the mom is just like, Hey, listen, he's kind of had a rough going, so please don't give up on him, even though he's like cursed like hell. And yeah, the two side characters are very funny. Kyo and uh, Shu. And also, Mm -hmm. yeah, Hachimitsu, who is the MVP of the whole show. Yes. She has the best lines or at least the best dialogue jokes. And I like that Shu and Keo; they definitely yell a lot, but it's not their one defining trait. And the show is shockingly like resistant so far to fan service. You would think it would be so easy to fall into that trap, but they don't. Like the one time they get kind of close to it is that uh, Shikimori misunderstands uh, izumi looking at this uh, bikini ad and she's like well fine if he likes that i'll go get that but you never actually see her wear it and i think that's kind of cool that they're just letting the characters be themselves and the appeal of them is not just putting shikimori in a cosplay outfit or something or what have you their actual characters. I'm a little bummed that the show keeps getting delayed because of COVID outbreaks at the studio, but I do like that the studio is not trying to force out these episodes until they are able to make them and such. So that's just a little behind the scenes thing that's going on with Doga Kobo right now. So, but we are now done with the romance and we are here for sports. Insert the Tim and Eric skit of of the sport thing so uh, we're going to talk about our, our second badminton anime of the year i can't believe we have two badminton anime and we're about to have four soccer anime total anyway this one's called love all play and it's not based off of the korean drama that came out recently uh, it has the same name so it's just kind of confusing based off of the novels by asami koseki It's directed by Hiroshi Takeuchi. It's written by Tomoko Tomparu, and it's produced by Nippon Animation and Oriental Light and Magic. In junior high, Ryo Mitsushima and his friends join the badminton club on a whim. As he grows fond of the sport, Ryo works tirelessly to improve his badminton skills until he qualifies in a prefectural tournament. Lacking a coach who can bring out his full potential, he does not consider entering a, a high school with a strong badminton team. Instead, he plans on attending a local high school where he can play badminton for fun. Of course, more happens there, and he gets to meet his badminton idol. But let's dive into it. Uh, Haley, what did you think about this show? Um,
2: This is fine. I didn't particularly think it was great or anything. It was Honestly, I think my biggest problem with it is huge chunks of it appear to be happening in real time as you're watching it. It is... For every kind of exciting sports moment or well-done character bit, there is another four or five minute dialogue scene where someone is walking home or running or deciding what to do with their life in basically real time. The show is really slow. This isn't bad or good. It looks very like an 80s anime to the point where I questioned when this show was set until the lead took out a phone about 25 minutes into the first episode. There's just really not a lot to say about this because it is pretty slow-paced. I think it might be too grounded for its own good. Like, we're supposed to buy that his badminton idol, Yusa, is a dick. But all he says is, don't get into the team's way while they're practicing which is a perfectly valid thing to say to a bunch of middle schoolers who are visiting your school. It was very strange. And he doesn't say it in like a snotty tone or anything. And it's not like he turns his back totally on these people. So I guess in real life, that might be a little rude. But for something where that's supposed to have a little more dramatic heft, it doesn't quite land right. I would have really liked this show to have been about our lead sister, who seems really fun. But is basically only there in episode 1 to encourage Kento to go for his academic dreams and then Kento fulfills his academic dreams in 15 seconds. The pacing for the show is all over the map. You'd think that trying to not just wanting to be known for sports And taking your time to academically qualify for high school would be something that might take up like a couple of episodes and it literally takes up like five minutes of this show. But we are going to get real time walking home with his two friends from their entrance exam at the end of episode two. With better pacing, I feel like this show could work on some level, but it's just like, super boring. It's gentle. There's nothing particularly wrong with it outside of it being really boring. Aside from it being about badminton, there also isn't a whole lot to distinguish it from anything else. You've seen all these characters before. You've seen these archetypes. You've seen them in way better sports shows. You're seeing them in sports shows that are better this season, even. So, and the badminton part of it doesn't even really play into things all that much. Could replace this with pool or comedy or baseball and it'd be the same show it just kind of exists but it's not terrible like we've seen some outright terrible sports shows it just kind of hangs there
0: like this limp dead thing it's not great that's the problem with this show it's realistic to a fault it should be like on one hand it's not like futsal boys where it's like oh this was obviously built like a gotcha game tie-in where you see all these super moves from the soccer players and all the different opponents are designed by different manga artists and yet the reason why it's kind of boring is because there's no flair or flash it doesn't have that angle that salaryman's club has where it's all about business teams and then they focus equally on both the business and the badminton It also just looks way better, and it has better character dynamics. Teresa, what did you think?
3: Yeah, I wasn't bored to tears, but it is a little boring. I definitely liked the music. I liked the opening credits. I thought it was very kind of nice hook getting you into the character i do agree the sports could be a little interchangeable i just like i don't know it was like so enthusiastic especially the first episode that's like he couldn't believe it he is a huge wimp though the main character he would not have gone to the school if his sister wasn't so cool and was like stick up for yourself tell them what you want to do his parents are terrible they want him to underdo. they're like no don't shoot for the stars stay home, underachieve, do the same thing. And I know they explained it with the dad, I guess he went on a sports recommendation and kind of messed everything up. But they didn't say that before. And so the whole time I was just like, what is wrong with his parents? Thank God for his sister. Otherwise, I was like, I don't know where this episode is going. I like the longing stares and their, their text chats, getting some boiler vibes from that. I just they're just so earnest. But I definitely felt like the tryouts took all three episodes. And I'm just like, what is time? Like, what is the pacing in the show? It doesn't quite make sense. I didn't mind kind of the, I like the inks between, you know, the older meeting his idol and he's not quite as nice as he thought. I didn't think he was a huge jerk, but I do like that, you know, the facade is crumbling. I'm, I'm not big on the sports anime, but of the ones we saw, this one is just okay. If you really need another badminton, it's not, you know, it's harmless. I definitely won't myself be watching, but I like the three episodes that I watched.
1: Mike, anything to add? I want to be clear. I would still find this show just kind of vanilla, even without Salaryman's Club. But because that show was such a surprise, it makes this feel all the more limp- And vanilla. Maybe this is just my personal preference, but the reason why hardly any of the sports anime that we've been covering basically since this podcast started have really lit a fire is because they all eventually blend together. The worst offense that you could do with a sports anime is have it feel. Interchangeable. The best ones that we've seen are the ones that love the sport that they're that the show is about. Um, the characters are engaging, or there's like an extra element to it. Like, what was the name of the futuristic baseball mm-hmm. war? Oh, Tribe Nine. Tribe Nine. Like that's the kind of effort that I want to see in more sports anime. This is just kind of, hey, I want to go to that high school and be the good at the sport. (laughs) Like, there's nothing really else to latch on
0: to. It's just kind of there, which is fine. But also, like, there's so much anime out right now. And you can't really afford to either be bad or just forgettable. Maybe if it had a little more flair, it would have been fine. Or it's just the character stand looks so generic. Uh, you get the twins, you get you get the fiery redhead again. And then you got the emo Sasuke looking guy who's maybe not super angsty, but is still like hesitant to make friends with the other teammates. But yeah, not much else to say. Just kind of a bummer. Too bad it came out right after Salaryman's club. But now let's talk about Ao Ashi. The first probably good soccer anime we've talked about during this anime podcast, or at least for right now. It's based off of the manga by Yugo Kobayashi. It's directed by Akira Sato. It's written by Masahiro Yokotani and produced by Production IG. In a quiet rural town, the spotlight of a local junior high school football team rests on one player, Ashito Aoi. Known for his unpredictable moves and self-centered playing style, Ashito is the sole powerhouse pushing his team through an important high school preliminary tournament however their win streak is short-lived an opponent causes ashito to lose his temper and act violently resulting in his removal from the rest of the game so the team loses but the there's a scout there he's saying like hey you're really good if you can polish yourself a little i want you to come to the tokyo team and join up with all these other amazing players it just feels refreshing that we finally hit a soccer anime that's competently animated just on that alone makes it way better than farewell my dear kramer or futsal boys yeah just that one just the cheapness of that one Haley, what did you think about this one i
2: was gonna say i was going to put an asterisk on good i did not think this was good it's certainly better than farewell my dear kramer but that's kind of like saying that Highlander is better than Highlander 2. Like, of course it's better. I think my biggest problem with this is that everyone in this show is just odd. They don't act like stereotypical, like, anime characters, but they also don't act like humans. I was calling Aoi shonen robot in my notes because I just, it seems like he is only powered by soccer. And it's kind of disorienting because he's also a douche. Like, he's a douchey robot. It's very weird. And that's just shorthand. He doesn't, there's not a twist where he is a robot, because I feel like now we have to say that every time we mention robots. It's kind of hard to explain why I don't like this show, because nobody is overtly insufferable, but... I don't think I liked a single person in this show. Everyone's just kind of vaguely off-putting from our lead, who is a ball hog, but apparently has preternatural ability to just kind of know where people are on the field. So he's apparently a genius, which seems silly. Most people who play sports would know something like that, or at least have some sense of how to figure out where people are on their team. The soccer star that scouts him basically works him all night after he already lost a soccer game to have him kick a ball into a couple of circles on sand for reasons that aren't exactly clear. His mom is the only sensible person in this whole show because she's like, I can't afford any of this shit. Why are you guys like this? Which is extremely relatable, but the show doesn't do a whole lot with that because Aoi's brother pulls money out of his ass and is like, go to Tokyo and try out for this club team that you may not get into. Because none of us have researched what this opportunity is, but you should totally go by yourself and do this. One of my notes is this hairstyle. Holy shit, I don't know who I was talking about because there's a lot of really whack hairstyles in this. The show also is really slow, which kind of doesn't go well with the explosive personalities we have here. And uh, I know a lot of my thoughts are unfocused. It's honestly because this show is unfocused. It doesn't know if it wants to be a a standard shonen anime or like an exploration of something deeper or just a show about assholes like Seinfeld with soccer. Like it does look nice, except for the fact that nobody's eyes ever look at anyone else's eyes when they're talking to each other, which I started noticing when I was having a conversation with Hannah in the lunchroom. Mm -hmm. But it does look nice. It's animated well, even though there's a CGI soccer ball, but that it seems to work fine for now. Yeah, everyone's kind of a dick and I know that like anime assholes is my thing but they're not entertaining assholes they're just kind of shitty it's about a, a bunch of people being unnecessarily shitty not even to each other just in general and there's some soccer going on and it's just I, a very weird show I did not care for this
0: no I mean I get it granted I'm great I think what I'm saying as this is The best one so far is mostly because Futsal Boys was basically just on the same level as Farewell, my dear Kramer, or just even lower because if you think the CGI soccer ball was distracting in Ao Ashi, the soccer ball in Futsal Boys looks like it's getting dragged around by a mouse cursor. (laughs) Like that's that's how bad the CGI implementation was for that one. I get the idea is like they're supposed to be like a bunch of angsty a-holes that are now like getting put together and now it's like okay you guys we know y'all are the best ones we have so start working together yeah i think if it had a bit more pacing but i i actually kind of liked some of the characters Teresa, what do you think
3: i was almost ready episode three cliffhanger about the soccer game the twist that they weren't playing the you know the same positions i thought that was clever i did think it was weird he just Hung out all night on the beach with a weird guy, the like scout. He didn't <laughs> know he was a scout, so I was like, "You're just really here hanging out with some like thirty something old man. You're in high school, and his family and his friends were supposed to be looking for him, and he was just really like on the beach down the street from his house." And I was like, "This town can't be that big." Why can't they find him? And I was like, I'm gonna not put too much logic into it. I thought it was cool. I like I found the main character super obnoxious at first, but he did grow on me by episode three. The animation, I thought it was good. It's much better than the ones you mentioned, but I still there's just something about it. That it's just kind of too goofy for me. His facial expressions and things like that, that got me more annoyed than him actually being annoying. I wouldn't say no to one more episode, but I think it's just because it's still in the middle of that game and I kind of just want to know what happens. Can't, he could probably tell me. If you really love soccer, I think this is like, you know, catnip for you probably. And this is something you probably want to watch. I am just, you know, okay on soccer. I'm not clamoring for one. Um, we definitely have too many, uh, most of them are not great animes,
0: but I thought this was all right. I don't have too much to add on, like, what happens afterwards. It's essentially, like, the main character gets kicked into high gear of, you can't really give up because one character, the one with the shaved head, is being a intensely passive-aggressive a-hole, or just more full-frontal aggressive a-hole to our lead character. And then our lead
1: character kind of gets that spark back that inspires everyone else.
0: It's pretty much that. Mike, what do you think about this show?
1: So unfortunately, because I was pressed for time, I only got to watch the pilot. I agree with everyone else that the soccer anime lately have been not the greatest. So to call this the best is not really a high bar to clear. It is good. Production ID IG does some very decent animation. The characters are certainly characters. Ashito does kind of come off a bit too much like Naruto in some regard, not just because the English voice actor Darn Strange sounds like the voice for Naruto a little bit too much, but also personality-wise. Like, they're very single-minded. I thought this one was pretty good. I'm, I'll i probably keep watching just out of curiosity to see if this holds up any better than the ones we've seen before. It is cool, like, to see in the voice cast of a lot of, like, older veterans coming in. Like, Eric Vale, I think, is the one who plays the scout, who Ashito didn't realize was the scout when he arrived on the beach i don't know if i would call this my favorite of this probably won't be in my top five or anything but i do like where it's going i have a good feeling that it'll end on a on a decent note guess to me i liked it a little more because
0: it was like oh it's actually focusing on the characters it's not just doing super flashy anime nonsense i'm curious to see where this one goes but let's move on to something that is definitely not empty on style and Blair, birdie wing golf girls story another original anime a lot of the uh sports anime this season are original which is interesting so it's directed by takayuki inagaki it's written by yosuke kuroda it's produced by namco bandai pictures and it's not super subtle about it (laughs) (laughs) infamous among those who gamble on golf games eve uses her exceptional skill in the sport to earn a living by betting and winning against various opponents Known as the Rainbow Bullet, she vows to beat her foes and conquer the world of underground golf using only three clubs. However, the universe where Eve knows no defeat is shaken after she plays a clean game of Aoi Amawashi, a golfing prodigy that came to the country of Nafres to enter a golf tournament. Armed with talent and born into a perfect environment for golf, Aoi the innocent tyrant calmly crushes her enemies with a bright smile on her face. Despite the fact that this paragraph says Aoi's the lead, it's not really her. It's Eve, the one blonde hair, the rainbow bullets. This one is a lot. Haley, what did you think?
2: I straight up hated this. I thought this was terrible. <laughs> yeah, the animation is nice and that's about all I can say for it. There's a part of me that feels like I don't like this show for somewhat an unfair reason and part of that is that I don't think we've had a golf anime I can't think of one and the first golf anime we get is this absolutely whack completely unexplained nonsense about like extreme underground golfing or whatever and I'm like you know golf isn't that boring you could make a compelling show out of just golf but no we had to shove a whole bunch of random rainbow ass nonsense into this shit i also don't think that a lot of the nonsense thrown into this show is compelling in any way i don't i quit on this about three quarters of the way through episode two because it was just irritating me so much i don't think eve is compelling very much to be fair we get some motivation for her and that she's trying to earn money doing illegal underground golfing question mark um to protect her children and friends of hers that are illegally squatting in a kind of poorer neighborhood. Like, that's good motivation, but I don't know anything about Eve beyond that, and that she's good at golf. And two episodes in, I feel like I should know a little bit more about how she got to this place, who these people are to her, because this show is way more interested in showing you weird golf tricks I guess is the right word because no one's actually fucking golfing in this show. The introduction, the first scene where Chris Christina, which if that's not somebody's drag name, it's going to be in like a couple of weeks, is putting or like playing in a tournament. And it's really compellingly well done because it's just a regular tournament. And then we cut to like the locker room where it turns out Chris Christina is injured and Eve is ripping a latex mask of her face off herself and just made money basically gaming an international tournament in favor of Chris for reasons. A lot of this show is really contrived and dumb. Like, I don't understand where she's getting these, like, calls to do things from. Her redheaded friend is completely useless, has serves no purpose in this story. And when we're introduced to Ally, Mm -hmm. the person who's, like, challenging her to do better the whole narrative grinds to a halt so we can hear a lot about how Aoi's bloodline is superior, which, okay, I don't need to hear any more about that. <laughs> that sh- uh, anytime any, any anime starts going into bloodline shit, I'm like, I'm going to peace out here right now. Because <laughs> <is what's> <laughs> uh, who cares? And she's not compelling either because what we know about her is her mom is very proud of where she came from, but we don't know what her mom does. And her dad was a famous golfer and she's got like natural slicing abilities with golf. Everyone is hitting golf balls into trees and, like, trying to shoot through trees, which is just, like... Like, I know that this is extreme golf, but, like, it's not visually interesting to see a bunch of people, like... To see, like, paper cutouts of trees flying past a golf ball. This show is just... I think this is honestly terrible. Like, like I said, part of it is because I feel like you could make a really good show about golf that actually says something and you could make this weird extreme golf thing work but the show doesn't explain how golf in this universe works or how golf works at all so there's a part of me that wonders if people would even pick up how this show is supposed to work and but then there's another part of me that just sees all the wasted opportunity in this premise because nothing's explained the characters are blonde particularly well drawn out and it's way more interested in showing you spectacle that's not really spectacle than saying anything of worth this is another one where I know a lot of people are into this show and I was watching it just going like I don't understand why like this was aggravating <laughs> you know, I think that's the best word for it. it was aggravating
0: so like I guess to me like would you have been this harsh on the show if we had other like golf anime to reference and compare and contrast with because the only other time we've had a golf anime was this short form one back in the winter season that we didn't cover but that's the only other one i can think of off the top of my head
2: i think maybe because it would if there were more golf anime i would feel Mm -hmm. less like this show is saying like golf in general is terrible because i get that vibe from a lot of this it's like this is golf but exciting and there's boobs and sexy women and we're cutting through trees and we're not we're playing a different kind of golf and it's you can like i said golf when it seems weird that i'm like going to bat so hard for golf but i do genuinely really like golf and when you're there live it's a very tense mind game of a sport we've had anime make way more boring things way more interesting like shogi and chess the romantic dramas of teenagers Like, things that I would be like, no, thank you. You can make it entertaining in a way that doesn't just completely annihilate the spirit of the sport. I'm less hard on things like Tribe 9 or, like, Skate Leading Stars. Because we have anime that's about basically the traditional version of every sport imaginable but golf. But on the other hand, I think this show is so poorly written that even if we did have another golf anime, I wouldn't be into this. Like, I wasn't into Tribe 9, even though it had literally everything I like about anime teed up for me. Like, the creators of and there's great music, and we threw Corpse Husband in there for you or whatever. It still kind of landed like a wet fart. This has none of that. And it's really bad. I want to point out that weird-ass montage in the middle of the first episode. What the hell was that? I thought it was the end of the episode. Like, randomly golf training. That doesn't tell us anything about her which is underscored by like this 90s rom-com ballad. Every choice in this show is befuddling.
0: I understand. It's in a very odd position for itself. It's an original anime. There's no source material to read up on and be like, oh, maybe it's just a bad translation or adaptation. And it's definitely more Mario Golf than actual like Tiger Woods, PGA 2008 or what have you. And I said this in the chat earlier. I would not be shocked if this was made to be more of like a pitch to a franchise for like Namco, Bandai, which, you know, they will not let you forget that they worked on this show because otherwise every like 15 minutes you'll see the Pac-Man golf ball and such. I still kind of enjoyed it, even though it is like the wrong kind of hot mess. I like the over the top, just flamboyant nature of where they took this show, even if it yeah it is a touch goofy with the whole underground illegal golfing and what have you. Teresa, what did you think?
3: Um, I did not hate it. I thought it was kind of
0: funny. I did
3: not think underground golf would be a thing I'd be saying right now. So I thought that part was, it was absolutely not explained at all. I have so many questions. I do think that it, Try to make it exciting and it, it maybe it, it worked on me. The other girl though is just her personality is smiling. I need a little more for AoE. I do want to like her, but Not really much there. I like the Mission Impossible mask, like, taking (laughs) off in the first episode. I thought that was fun. I was like, what the hell is going on Um, (laughs) in this episode right now? And everyone's just like, yeah, she just did that thing. And that she has, like, a boss who like lines up underground gigs. I was like, what in the hell is this? It's like Charlie's Angels of Golf. Like, I just don't understand. And then she's just hanging out with these orphans and raising them and and getting money for them. Like again, not explained, but I'm like, okay, that's, that's what we're doing right now. I think I literally wrote, not sure how this fits, but I guess they're trying to be interesting. We'll see what happens. Still episode three, still waiting for that to happen. I didn't really like the music. I thought it was- The, like, dance club music in the first episode I was kind of in, but in episode two and three, it was just really off. That montage scene where she's, like, training or practicing just reminded me of, like... Kevin Costner in like 10 cup. He's like trying to get his mojo back or something. And I was like, this is such a cheesy, like sports montage that I just accepted it. I would watch another episode. Cause I, I want to see, you know, their friendship of, of being rivals kind of go together, but it is, a little too silly for me to take it that seriously. I would say if you're curious, definitely give it a shot. I think it's mostly harmless. It's trying to do something.
0: <laughs> so I was mostly entertained.
1: Mike, anything to mad. Compared to the vanilliness of Love All Play, this kind of feels like a huge overcorrection. Whereas Love All Play is vanilla because it's a little bit too realistic, but also doesn't really tell you much about the sport it just goes in the complete opposite direction and is basically all style and no substance, which is fine if like you don't care about golf and are just there for the flair and the wild animation. But I can also understand if you hold the sport to a little bit more higher esteem, I can understand being a little bit more critical of, for example, how the rules of the game work in this anime. There's like the whole concept of like underground golf does come off a little silly, but a better version of the show would have been probably something a little bit more reined in. And maybe if Aoi was the main protagonist and given more of a personality, they could have had something that's not only stylish, but actually respects the sport. Like I
0: said, I like the, the, whole like let's just go Mario Golf on this and just be as more arcadey over the top as possible the characters don't really have much to them this show is also very much wanting to show off its gay subtext and it's not very subtle about that either I mean you could try to write it off as oh they're just They respect each other's competitive spirit. We've watched anime. We know where this is going. It definitely needed more of a through line to help it. But I don't know. I kind of like it as a junk food kind of show. I don't know if I'll watch more of it, but it does continue to commit to its over-the-top trash fire-ness of it all. So I like that. At least it sticks to its themes and Premise, unlike Demon Lord, who reincarnated as a typical nobody, which failed on the first episode of its own premise. I guess to me, I felt like I overhyped how solid the sports genre is for this season, mostly because it just seems like most sports genres tend to fall flat. And maybe it's also because fanfare of adolescence just blows the others out of the water. So this is another original anime. It's directed by Makoto Kato. It's written by Teen Fanfare. And the second anime this season produced by Leidus. In Japan, betting on horse racing is one of the few legal forms of gambling. Thus, the public races have become an interesting part of Japanese culture. In this sport, an individual who rides a horse competes in races is called a jockey. And that is what Yu Amimura aspires to be. Becoming inspired after witnessing a derby, 15-year-old idol Yu shocks the entire nation when he leaves the entertainment industry to enroll in a prestigious horse racing school. Excited to pursue his latest passion, he gradually bonds with his new classmates, such as the talented Shun Kazanami and the self-assured Amane Grace, who are each unique in their own ways. Although the path ahead may be full of obstacles, Yu is determined to pursue his ultimate goal of becoming one, one with his horse. So this is like your boy Kong Ming. It has that notion of like you talk about the premise and it's like, well, this sounds really stupid. And then you watch it. And I just thought this show was just a surprise, a delight. Haley, what did you think?
2: I enjoyed this. I think kind of a little bit all over the place. I watched the first two episodes. I definitely enjoyed this. I think the first episode has a very good setup where we Learn a lot about you, but not so much that there's no mystery to him. Seems like he's being blackmailed by his old management from when he was an idol, which is another fascinating plot twist in this season full of non-traditional idol stuff. Seems like something was in the water where everyone was like, hey, actually... Trying to make a living as a singer can be kind of rough. And then everyone just kind of dumped all their thoughts on that into all of their shows. You is pretty well-developed and so is Shun. But we are missing some sketching out for some of the side characters. Like we've introduced the other people who are at this jockey school. And there's still a character whose entire characterization is, I'm a girl, and what do you mean I can't bet on horse races if I'm horse racing? Which I feel like she should have known. And then there's a guy with blue hair who all he's done is flash our lead, and our lead is so zoned out that he just ignores the dick in front of him. Um, So, I mean, they've got time. It's weird to me that we haven't even gotten the kind of traditional, oh, I'm this person, I like cars and bugs, and my favorite color is blue. Like there's parts of the show that feel like it's trying to set up its own gotcha game. And then parts of it that I'm like, this is definitely not based on a gotcha game because we would have already known all of the character archetypes of all of these people by now. That being said, I do enjoy the central thrust of the show, which is that you abandoned a very lucrative idol career to be a jockey for a reason we still don't understand. And we don't really know what he had to do to get out of that contract. And then we have Shun, the kind of country bump sort of guy who clearly like listens to horse racing on the radio and kind of fell in love with this mental image of horse racing. And I really liked that they talked about that in particular. It reminded me of like my parents always had the Dodger game on the radio, even if it wasn't on TV and like how you fill in the gaps and how you mentally imagine what sports are when you don't have the visual. So I liked that detail. I really like the music in this. The opening theme has a very K-pop edge to it. And when I found out it was J01, that made total sense because they were the Japanese spin-off of the Produce 101 series. The ending theme is really nice, too. At the end of episode two, we meet a transfer student who speaks in English that sounds exactly like when people go on variety shows and are making jokes about their terrible English. So um, I don't know what's up with that guy, but that should be fun. I like the potential of this show, maybe more than I like the show itself, because there's a lot around the edges that I think will be really interesting to be explored in future episodes, mainly with you and his old agency and him seeming to know of a darker purpose to what this girl is filming i mean she's claiming it's a documentary but somebody seems very off about it mainly that she's filming a documentary with one camcorder and no lighting and no other rig like i feel like someone should have called this out by now she's filming a documentary like she's mark from rent and she's like (laughs) it's gonna change the world it's like it's a camcorder (laughs) filming a youtube video but yeah i think this was really solid this was i was surprised at how well animated this is, there's definitely weird stuff about it. This show is also incredibly gay. I feel like I'll be really upset if this is, this turns out to all be queer baiting, but there's been like four or five just insanely gay scenes in this show already. Like the end of episode one where Yu falls off his horse and Shun catches him. And the scene in episode two where Yu wanders into a room where a guy is practicing on like a like a rodeo horse practicing riding a horse and is covered in sweat and it's just very homoerotic and the guy's like what are you doing here you're a trainee you should leave it's just like it all of it the lighting and the way it's framed and used like luminescent blush it's just like okay yeah. someone <laughs> <is> going, <laughs> someone's gonna be dating a dude by the end of this show or this is like the worst example of queer baiting since Supernatural.
1: Right. But yeah, right.
2: overall, I think this was my favorite of the sports anime. It's It's got room to grow, but it does grab you in a way that I feel like the other shows didn't.
0: No, oh, that's awesome. Teresa, what did you think?
3: Yes, I'm here for the show. I'm here for how gay it is. I just love like the sound of the horses in the first episode, the way they were telling, you know, to listen to nature and just the whole way that's kind of animated. And it's really like abstract and takes you out of it. I just thought it was just beautiful. Everything that's happening. I love, love, love the music. I loved how melodramatic the opening sequence was and like the whole kind of like rainbow horse, like dreaming of horse racing. I thought it was funny. I thought that the school um, by episode three, I really feel like we know the characters a lot more. So Haley, maybe you just need one more. I just love how they kind of like stuck up for each other. And they're like trying to figure out the dynamic now that this exchange student, exchange study, the guy from abroad who English, it's terrible. They're doing their best. I just love how colorful it was. I was a little thrown off in the first episode when it went to a black screen, but it corrected itself in episode two because I was like, no music. I need more music because it's just so cute. And I really just like love like, you know, all the little kind of cutesy things that were in it without kind of degrading and making it, it wasn't silly. Everyone's taking the horse rein and they're trying to respect the horses, especially in episode three with the dynamic of the like rich little like student who doesn't want to clean up the stalls. I just really liked the kind of dialogue there. And Shun is great. And I can't wait to watch more episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mike, what do you think about this show? Again, this is one of the other two that I only got to watch the first episode, but damn, was this a great first episode. I did start to see a little bit of the gay overtones or undertones. I'm not even sure anymore. Anime is just like that now. I do find like the whole premise just kind of fascinating. Again, this is another show in the same season from Les Deux that's kind of critical of the idol industry one of them was just saying yeah so behind the curtains they're like the idols are not always what they seem and in this show it's like i'm straight up leaving to go (laughs) to go ride horses goodbye (laughs) i'm out Uh, do like these characters even though in the first episode you don't really know them too much other than just kind of surface level stuff like the blue haired guy always trying to get the paparazzi's attention the girl who is the girl then the instructors who are one of them is good cop the other is bad cop they're barely doing anything to help rein in the horses you're just kind of saying like hey this is a show that i do want to keep watching and keep supporting because anytime we get an original anime series they may not always be good but because they're original i have a little bit more urgency to support them
0: i really love this show i loved the the first episode is probably one of the best first episodes of the season oh easily it takes advantage of the animation medium with such flair with like how he's like i don't know what path to go down to get to the school and then you hear like this the ghostly spirit of a horse. With the like, and each time the hoofs would hit the ground, like the pedals would come out. And yeah, you can try to say there's nothing gay about this show, but then it, the show does that one scene at the end of the first episode. It's like, okay, now, now you are okay. Uh, the third episode definitely does help expand on everyone. You got the one who's more like the neutral character who's just kind of there yeah the uh the one with blue hair or green hair sometimes the lighting of it makes it look like turquoise it's definitely like star hungry he wants to be the center of attention and then you got the girl who's supposedly like the first female jockey in like forever apparently but they're slowly starting to build everyone up and the guys the silver-haired student who's cocky and snobby and all that stuff. His whole thing is that he's really good at being a horse jockey, but most of these kind of characters he's got no passion. He doesn't have the spark to really do it until the main character tells him like you have no soul. And he's just like, okay, fine. I'm going to stay here and be like y'all and I will train to become the the best one and be better than all of y'all. And our two lead characters' chemistry is very cute. Very much reminds me of Salary Man's Club. And I do like that they focus on the main character's, like, hesitancy to be filmed. And just to really push away all of his idol history. Like, I like that. I am very happy to see that they commit to that. They don't just drop it after after the first episode. Obviously something happened. And we'll have to see what happens. And with that... We are done with talking about all the new spring 2022 anime. Before we talk about our top fives, after we've seen all of these shows, what are y'all's overall opinions about the season now that we've seen everything?
1: So far, out of the two years that we've done Bring Anime, I've noticed that this is usually the strongest season, and while there were some lows, especially in this episode, the highs honestly made up for it Haley what do you think about this season
2: I think of yeah of all the seasons we reviewed I think overall this is the one that trends the most positive there's still some stuff that's bad like we've talked about it but like I said in the first episode even the bad stuff is interesting and can be discussed in a more thorough way than just oh wow this is just incompetent and dumb Mm-hmm. So, and also looking forward to the future where I think we've got something like eight isekai shows and three yeah. idol shows next uh, season, yeah, as well six as isekai. multiple second seasons of shows that probably didn't need second seasons. There's a refreshing variety in all the kinds of shows we watched. Like there was a lot of fun rom-coms. We don't get a whole lot of those. Usually the idol shows we got were not traditional idol shows. We did get Bog standard isekai nonsense, but a lot of it was more bog standard Eastern European fantasy stuff. And it was at least trying to spin on the concepts of isekai and these fantasy shows. So there was a real sense this season that people were trying, you know, like there was a real sense that a lot of these studios were trying to put their best foot forward. And even if the result wasn't all that great, at least still fun to talk about,
0: you know. Right, right. Teresa, what did you think about this overall season?
3: Yeah, I definitely think it was pretty interesting. I did not watch, you know, some of the worst stuff. So it it was pretty great viewing for me. I still think there's too much anime. but I definitely felt like the sports all like, you know, really kind of, the bar was pretty low, but they raised the bar in a way. I was, I'm always the one like, oh, sports anime, but it really wasn't that bad and had one of my favorite shows, um Fanfare of Adolescence. So that was a shock for me. If you told me I would be picking the horse racing show, I would not have believed you. Definitely a year ago from now. I definitely thought that, you know, when it's good, it's really good. And that, and I'll take that. And I definitely
2: think that the
3: creativity is, very, I would say, you know, some of it is boring, but most of it, the stuff that I thought was boring is pretty harmless. There's only like, Honestly, two shows where I was like, no one watched these, please. And, you know, I think that's a really good run in comparison to a lot of the other seasons.
0: Right, right. I thought the spring season was pretty good, definitely stronger than the winter season. Though, was this better than last year's spring season? That's kind of tough because last spring season had stuff like Vivi and Odd Taxi. And then the winter season before that had like Hora Mia and Skate the Infinity. And then, of course, the fall 2021 season had, like, Komi Can't Communicate, Sakugan, just a lot of other great shows. 2021 was a good year. Yeah, I definitely think this is the best season so far in 2022. Not really looking forward to summer. Yeah, six Isekai, like, three different idol shows. A handful of shows that I hope we can skip. And maybe, and hoping that the Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting is going to be the best one though we are getting a new science saru anime next season so we'll have to see teresa what were your top five be for this season my top
3: five including the the other categories i would say would be you know spy x family your boy coining fanfare of adolescence love after world domination and it's tough
0: for the last one but
3: i'm gonna have to go with a healer girl
0: Alrighty. Haley, what would your
2: top five be? Healer Girls, Spy X Family, Ya Boy Kong Ming, Aharen is Indecipherable. This is hard. There are a lot of good ones. I think I'm, don't know if I want to go with Dawn of the Witch or Fanfare of Adolescence. So, uh, whichever one sounds more interesting to you, <laughs> those two.
1: I understand. Uh, yeah, Mike. What about you? Healer girls, Spyx family, Diamond, Shikimori's not just a cutie, and probably Dawn of the Witch. There are too many to choose
0: from. Guess I had to go with an honorable mention. Would be like Dance, Dance, Danceur. I think if it was able to pace itself out a little better, even though I still enjoyed it, my top five would be yeah, you know, like Spyx family, Aharen. Your boy Kong Ming. Oh, and I don't like picking from these other ones because I love them too much. The Aimon. And, oh, it's kind of a tie between Shikamori, Fanfare, and Love After the World Domination. It, it's a toss-up between those three, but I guess I'll go with Shikamori's not just a cutie. It's just tough because there's just a lot of good ones that, and I loved Healer Girl too, so I could have easily made a top 10. I'll probably post about that soon. But yeah, next time we'll talk about some non-anime stuff. And then we'll all may probably come back for the summer season, but we'll have to see. Until then, Haley, where can everyone not find you online? Don't look for me.
2: (laughs) I'm in the Renegade Pop Culture Facebook group, but otherwise you can hang out with me when we release podcasts. Nice boundary setting tool for me. No, I'm kidding.
1: (laughs) And Teresa, where can everyone find you? You can
2: find me at Teresa
3: Electro on all social platforms.
1: And Cameron, where can everyone find you? Uh,
0: You can find me on Twitter at Cam's Eye View. I run my own website called camsyeview.biz, where I review animated films and shows from around the world called The Other Side of Animation. I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash View. That's
1: where you can find me. And you guys can find me on Twitter at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can find me in all the various Facebook groups just at my name. You can check out Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. You can also find us on Podchaser and the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. You can escape, so do we. That'll do it for this episode of RunGate Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.